guys, and welcome to another episode of Trey Bond. Uh, bonjour. Uh, welcome. 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 I'm Jake Spear. What? Bonjour. Oh, yeah, okay, all right. I'll uh, pay that one. I'll pay that one. Well, yeah. Yeah, Bond Day. A Bond Day to you, A sir. A Bond Day to you. Bond Jour. Bond Jour, no. <laughs> pick Italian or pick French. Right. Because I guess, because Trey Bond is French. It's Or French inspired. Yeah. But you could say Bonjour. Yeah, Bonjour. If you extend. Bonjour. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, fellas, rough start, but uh, I'm Jake Spear. (laughs) (laughs) Join with me, as always, folks, is Double O Derby Deck. Lovely to be here. Oh, it's good to be here with him and our expert in the field, Brandon McClelland. Reporting for duty. Bonjour, gentlemen. Bonjour. Bonjour. Uh, well, we just yeah, kind of we'll, we'll, we'll massage it in. We'll see if it sticks. Yeah. We'll see. I'm not committed. No, maybe no. not. Tell us what you think, guys, out there in the land of Bond. Um, at Trey Bond, find us on Instagram, Facebook. Send us an email, TreyBondPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a little review on iTunes, or uh, share us with some buddies. Bring them along and enjoy our ramblings about the world's greatest film franchise. James Bond, which is James which Bond, is James yes. Bond. Yeah, yeah. just to clarify, yes, yeah. we've really been uh, enjoying watching our audience slowly grow, and we're appreciative yeah. to all of you. Oh yeah, um, we're loving seeing the comments and people writing. It's made us. us feel all warm and fuzzy. Oh, it's yeah. very lovely. I think a specific shout out should go out to clearly. You're our, doing a spec shout. Our, our, our oh, yeah. number oh. one fan. Oh, I know you're talking about. We all know. Yes, we all know. Our number one fan, Mr. Lorenzo Granger. Oh, yes. Lorenzo. Lorenzo, we're loving the comments, mate. We wish you well. Uh, we're, we're glad you're having as much fun as we are. And uh, we're very sorry we were so hard on Tomorrow Never Dies. Yes, <laughs> look, we've received a little bit of flack from our yeah, views on Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. And we are... I, I, look, I'm not sorry. Stand I stand by. by. <laughs> it's a shit pile. Sorry, Lorenzo. <laughs> but we love you. As much as we don't like Tomorrow Never Dies, we love you. So thank Absolutely. you, mate. Thank you. We've also got a couple of other people we want to shout out. We want to shout out um, James Bond Down Under. Absolutely. On Instagram. Thank you. Uh, 007 from Australia with love. Aussie, Very Aussie, good. Two Aussie legends. Oh, oh, leading the way. Oh, brilliant. And our brothers from Langley, Joe Darlington yes. and Ray oh, Crompole. Yes. So yes. being James Bond and the Bond Armory, they've been heroes, heroes for us. Nothing Absolutely. but welcoming. Um, it's just made everything feel, I don't know, warm and fuzzy. Warm and fuzzy. It's a family. So to all of you gents, thank you very much. Um, and to anyone listening, thank you. Um, but yeah, if you want to comment on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or send us an email, uh, <laughs> we'll read it because we got nothing better to do because yes. the world has stopped. The world has stopped. <laughs> we want to talk to somebody, please. But we can still watch movies, we can still talk about them. That's right. Uh, that's, and that's what we love about it. Speaking it. of... yeah. Men, Brandon McClelland. Yeah, Mandon. Mandon. McClelland. Mandon. What's our mission today? Oh, we haven't even said the mission. Uh, well, <laughs> today's mission is 1963's From Russia with Love. Hello. Oh, hello, gorgeous. I gotta say, I walked into Brandon's apartment and I saw his LP sitting on the table. He has some uh, From Russia with Love memorabilia set up for us Mm. to peruse to get us in the mood. Yes. The cover image for that record. My God. My goodness. We'll put it up in our story. Uh, yes, oh yeah, no spinning yes. section. Uh, yes. Now spinning. Now spinning. No, 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 spinning. no, no, no. <laughs> Have you had a strong? <laughs> <laughs> Call the Bondulans. Manden Bacellans. No spinning. It's, it's not been. It's been a slow start to the morning. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> 
very excited for this movie, boys. Very so excited. Am I? God, oh, this is a big one for me. Yeah. Oh. Look, I was kind of like looking at this one going, after Doctor No, do I want more of that? Because I haven't seen this film. Mm. And and every time it's come up, I've, I've been more and more excited. Because it, it, if you're familiar with our hat draw segment at the end, it has come up in the final three. Quite so a bit. Quite a few times. times and it's, it's been begging for it. Always yeah, a bridesmaid, never the bride. That's mm. right. And tonight... We're okay. marrying. We're going yeah. to the chapel. It We're is going the to the wedding of from Russia with love <laughs> and, and Trey Bond. And it's just, especially after seeing that, it seems like the film noir bombed. And me being, I'm obsessive mm. with film noir. I'm just ready. Mm. I'm ready for this movie. Is this as mar as it gets, Commander? Uh, yeah, mm. I'd say so. Mm. Well, speaking Hello. of noir, oh yes, here's one for you. Ooh. Previously on Night at the Roxbury. Night at the Roxbury. <laughs> or something like that. Something right. we'll put maybe it a little might be one of under the, that. Uh, the ties that bind. Oh. Ties that bind. Bind. That's yeah, it. That's okay. good. All right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll take a few suggestions from another Night of Night at the Roxbury. I think we've got Alice Cooper writing one, so we'll just. Right. Wait to hear back. Well, I've got to show Cheryl as well. You got to show Cheryl. Show us. Night at the Roxbury. Okay. It's, you got more. You are the ties that bind. What is the name of the of the story, guys? We, we don't know. Night at the Roxbury. It's called Night at the Roxbury. Subtitle. The, the ties. It's got a subtitle. The ties that bind. <laughs> All right. Look. Can we have our recap? You workshop. You workshop a. You workshop a, a, a title. We'll figure for the it Night out. of the Roxbury. While yeah. I recap the uh... workshop a title. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you said you decided on. Well, Night you're of the clearly Roxbury. not happy it. about it. It's Night at the Roxbury. The ties that bind. The ties that bind is the name of the theme song. Or was the, and the f- the film. Or is the Night at the Roxbury and the ties that bind just happened to be that episode? Is, do you have an episode title? No, I don't have an episode. Can title. we make sure? that from now on yeah. there's, there's episode titles well yeah titles. they're chapter titles they're chapter oh, titles god alright well, can you handle that yeah maybe it's right. a little bit of extra work but anyway tell your little story alright well, <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just as a recap Bond was treated to an extraordinary feast in Roxbury's ornate Georgian inspired dining room oh, yes. this is the recap this is the recap well, this... where was my last time on previously on. previously previously on Night at the Roxbury the ties that bind. The ties that bind. Bond was treated to an extraordinary feast in Roxbury's ornate Georgian-inspired dining room where he learned of Roxbury's plot to create a pill that vastly extends human life beyond its natural terms, creating a world of immortal humans all indebted to Roxbury. Bond was overcome by a numbing serum and taken away to be used in the final human tests oh, yes. of Roxbury's immortality that's, experiment. That's right. What do you mean? Hang on, what? He's he's off. He's off. He's going to get experimented on. This Bond is going to get... Yeah. yeah. He was given a numbing serum. And he's he, going to be a guinea pig. Oh, dear. Mm. I'm seeing laser chairs. I'm seeing... Yep. I'm seeing giant crabs oh, crawling okay. up a ramp. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Doctor, no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Deleted. Obscure, obscure, <laughs> obscure reference. Obscure reference, but someone got it. So here we go. Bond spills through. It's <laughs> <laughs> just, just such a dramatic pause. My apologies. Oh, yeah, just here we go. Give us a park of semi yeah. in there. Yeah. All, right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Here we go. Here we go. There it is again. <laughs> 
Just say, here we go, Bond went in. <laughs> All right, okay. Here we go. Bond. Hey, you did it again! <laughs> you messed it. Well, you're in my head. You're in my head. All right, here we go. I'm self conscious about this one. I don't know how it's going to go. Bond spills through a stack of metal cabinets as Bjorn tosses him from one side of the sterile chamber to another. Spitting blood from his mouth, Bond is still a prisoner to the paralysing poison he's ingested at dinner. Not sterile no more. Not anymore. No, no. This is hardly a fair fight. Bjorn approaches Bond, who is crippled in a heap against the wall and lays in... And... Sorry, here we go. <sighs> Bond approaches Bond, who is crippled Bond, in Bond a... approaches Bond approaches Bond! God almighty. It is clones. <laughs> it's clones. It's clones. <laughs> Look, I finished this this morning. There's a few spell checks. Bond approach. <laughs> Does it say that? No, it says Bjorn. But they, they look very similar. Bjorn approaches Bond, who is crippled in a heap against the wall and lays in two solid kicks to his torso. The crushing blow is enough to fracture a rib. Oh. Bond is taking the beating of a lifetime under the harsh fluorescent lights of the modestly sized medical examination room. The once pristinely prepared space has now been all but completely trashed by Bjorn's bashing and thrashing of Bond. The single remaining stoic object is the truly frightening metal restraining bed gleaming in the centre of the room. Mm. Restraining bed. Wait, 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 wait. Bond pleads as he fights to catch his breath. Be reasonable, Bjorn. This is no way to treat a gentleman. Ah, oh, there's the Bond voice. <laughs> <laughs> now, here we go. I see no gentleman here, Mr. Bond. Oh! Wow. Bjorn speaks. Says Bjorn as he sends down a blistering punch to Bond's head. Bond is out of luck. Battered and bruised, he is lifted by the barbaric Bjorn and placed on the restraining bed in a woozy state of consciousness. Oof. It would be wise for you to comply, Mr. Bond. This will all be over soon. She will be here shortly. Bjorn warns as he fastens the restraints around Bond's wrists and feet. She. Spread out on this torture table, it is clear that Bond has no way of escaping. This could be the end of Agent 007. As Bjorn tightens the final restraint... It can't be. be. Jake doesn't have the license to do that. No. The fans would riot. Do I dare? Do I dare? (laughs) Dare, dare. (laughs) As Bjorn tightens the final restraint, the door to the room slides open and in walks Sophia, Mm. holding a sleek silver briefcase. Her calm collectedness... Samsonite? Possibly. Most likely. Good. Her calm collectedness... You're looking at it. What is it? I don't know. It's just words here. Right. I'm not actually looking at it. In your mind's eye. In your mind's eye... It is actually, it's Samson yeah, with those, sort of, you know, yeah. those divots in the, in, you know, that they have. Her uh-huh. calm collectedness at a moment like this does not fill Bond with much confidence. Sophia, in her tailored black turtleneck dress, approaches Bond, spread eagled on the bed, and glides her hand along his thigh, across his beaten chest, and gently caresses his bloody face. Ooh. It seems we can finally have some quality alone time, James, whispers Sophia. Yes, well, this wasn't quite what I had in mind. Oh, good. Bond grimaces as he adjusts to find a comfortable position on the bed. Sophia places the silver briefcase on the nearby bench top and releases the clasps to open it. 
inside the case, Bond can glimpse two small vials of vibrant blue liquid and a series of syringes. Mm. Mr. Roxbury is an extraordinary man. However, I prescribe to a less philosophical outlook on life and take the more hands-on approach. Sophia attaches a large needle to the end of one of the syringes and stabs the point into one of the vials to extract a large amount of the blue liquid. You see, James, with the right amount, this injection will flood your body with enhanced microorganisms that will slow your rate of aging by half. Add too much and the body is overwhelmed and, unfortunately, completely shuts down within a matter of seconds. With that, Sophia gradually increases the dose in the syringe until it is completely full. That's going to be... That's too much. That is way too much. Yeah. Where would science be if we didn't push the limit every now and then? Sophia looks to Bjorn. Hold him down. She's going to make Bond immortal. She's going to kill him with too much. Bjorn takes his place behind Bond's head and presses his giant hands down on Bond's shoulders. Sophia approaches Bond on the table. Now, you may feel a slight sting, then it will all be over. Bond can do nothing but stare at the oversized syringe and its beaming blue liquid coming straight for him. Tell me, James, do you think those who manage to stare death in the face and live are encouraged to live a more fulfilled life, says Sophia. I think staring down the barrel at one's mortality certainly makes one question their choices, remarks Bond, eyeing the giant syringe hovering over his arm. Good, she replies. And in one swift and precise flutter, Sophia drives the syringe into the neck of Burley Bjorn and presses the lever, releasing the lethal dosage into the heavy henchman. I used words to surprise us. I hope you packed lightly, James. <gasps> it's time for us to both check out. Oh, no, ladies no, and gentlemen, stop This is fact check. Oh, oh yes. Double. That cross. was awesome. Can I say, you got dangerously close, and in a good way. I mean, good danger. Ooh. Uh, the Bond kind. To an actual Fleming line of dialogue there oh my with goodness. the staring death in the face oh yes in the novel of you only live twice the title the of you only live twice comes from the fact that someone i think it might be blofeld says to bond you only live twice mr bond first when you are born and the second time when you stare death in the face oh my me. there you go very good. Well, we're tapped into something here, fellas. Oh, excited to see where. Bloody What's good. Next? Sophia is a ally. She's a, well, potentially still a bit unknown. For at sure. This stage. May I say, I'm very sad that Bjorn is dead because that was a great Bjorn voice. <laughs> well, what if Bjorn uh, isn't dead? Or oh, when he's immortal. He's immortal now. Because he he's a big boy. He's a big boy. He is. He can very probably big take boy. it. Mm. We will have to see what happens next. We will. Night of the God, Roxbury. I liked that. <laughs> and maybe when he comes back, he's got glowing blue eyes. Oh, because of the liquid. Oh, yeah. Goodness me. Well, gentlemen, as we leave Night at the Roxbury, let us return to the man with the golden gun. All right. Oh, yes. What is the martial art that they're doing in that film? Brandon, you said uh, kung fu. Mm-hmm. I think I, <laughs> I said yoga. Did you? Mm. Did you say yoga? Yeah, right, okay. According to huntingbond.com, the Martial Arts Academy in the film is the 
Dvaravati House inside the ancient yeah. city yeah, yeah. Muang Borang, a vast open-air complex south of Bangkok. Now, the martial arts style is karate. Oh, karate. Ah, karate. What particular type of karate, I could not find specifically. But multiple mentions to the Karate Academy. Right. Very good. Is Kung Fu a style or is that just like the movie genre? A movie genre. No, I believe Kung Fu is a legitimate martial art style. Oh, okay. Mm. You believe that or you know it? I believe that. Have you guys seen that old show, Kung Fu? No. It's very good. With uh, David Carradine. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. I believe I'm getting all that right. I hope it's not called something else and stars someone else, but pretty sure there's a film, the TV series called Kung Fu starring Deb Carradine. My dad loves it. Oh, okay. yeah. It's good. All right. It's good. Put it on the list. Mm. How much did this movie make at the box office? Uh, $3.75. Wow. Just one ticket. Just the price of one <laughs> ticket. <laughs> there were claims that this film nearly tanked the franchise, and Brandon went on to say that it made some money... Just not as much money oh, as Live and Let Die. Oh, he was making outrageous claims. Yeah, no, no, it's yeah. not an outrageous claim. It did. It made less money than Live and Let Die. Outrageous. Well, the film was made for an estimated budget of $7 million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Its worldwide gross box office is $97.6 million. Still a handsome return. Which makes it the fourth lowest grossing Bond film of all time. Mm. Wow. Adjusted for inflation? Um, not sure. Not sure. Not sure. I can tell you that Live and Let Die grossed 161.8 million, the, making wow, it wow, quite a lot more, quite a lot more. But still, Live Nearly and Let double. Die is the 14th highest-grossing Bond film. Would you believe? Wow, yeah. What well, was its budget? Live and Let Die's budget? Mm. I don't know. Uh, you didn't do it again. Oh, I is, might have it here actually. Have you? Oh, in your, in, your, in your notes. In my notes. You, you, I don't know. You want me to go full Rain Man? You don't want me to go full no, Rain Man? No, I when, want when, to have the facts available say, for my don't requests. Don't go full Rain Man. God, we, we mean, don't tell us what a lug nut is. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but do tell us how much a film made. I'm oh. quite all right with that. Yeah. No, I, well, just I can want tell you how much I just this want you to have it all made. there in case I want to know. Right. Do the work. I don't have the budget. For no well, I can tell you the returns. I can tell you the box office returns. Yeah. Of the four lowest grossing Bond films. Did I ask for that? No. But I would like to hear it. You'd like to hear that. Yep. What do you think the lowest grossing Bond film was? Uh, adjusted for inflation? He already said he doesn't know because he doesn't do his work mm. properly. Mm. Oh, Stab in the dark. What do you reckon? Uh, uh, far out. <clears throat> License to kill. So The Spy Who Loved Me was no. the fourth lowest. The Man with the Golden Gun. Oh, the, the was Man the with the Golden Gun. Lost. My apologies. Yes. Uh, Live and Let Die had a seven million dollar budget, by the way. Same amount. S- same amount. Same yeah. budget. So underneath the Man with the Golden Gun, there are three films. Okay, I'm going to guess. License to Kill. Right. Doctor No. Right. One more. And from Russia with Love. Right. Because I'm saying that because I. I don't think you've adjusted for inflation. Mm. Two out of three ain't bad. Ooh. No license to kill. Uh-huh. Dr. No, 59.9 million. Ah, yes. These aren't adjusted uh, for inflation. Adjusted. Yeah. From Russia with Love, 78.9. Mm. Honor Majesties. Yeah. Yeah, didn't great. There you go. Top grossing Bond film? Uh, Thunderball. Skyfall. 
Well, Skyfall for a billion, but adjusted for inflation, it's actually he fundable. hasn't done. I haven't adjusted for inflation. Well, then it's Skyfall. <laughs> right, right, right. But adjusted for inflation, it is Thunderball. Really? It's still the most successful Bond film of all time. Well, I can't uh, wait to watch that one then. What is the name of the Hitman character who is killed in the pre-title sequence? And what is his character's name in Diamonds Are Forever? Oh, Jugsy Bugsy D Malone. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Said with the confidence of, of someone with a great of poker a face. <laughs> of a huckster and a fraudster. Now, the fine actor that I'm referring to here is a man by the name of Mark Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Now, in The Man with the Golden Gun, he plays the character of Rodney. Mm-hmm. In Diamonds Are Forever, with Brandon's favourite line... I didn't know there was a pool down there. <laughs> he is credited as the Slumber Inc. attendant. Yes. Unfortunately. But I'd like to kind of think I believe that Rodney works for Slumber Inc. Yeah. and has climbed his way up the uh, the black the market hitman list. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's canon. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. It's canon. Had water effects on text, on title text, oh, been done oh. before this film? Wow. <clears throat> That's a tricky one to Brandon research. was a big fan of the water effect on the text here. Oh, and he really said, even was. if it is a bit old hat, he was mm. a big fan. However, Darby seemed to think that it wasn't a very complex or innovative idea, even for 1974. How did you find this out? I'm art very of, intrigued. I'm pulling my chair even closer. Artofthetitle.com? I'm artofthetitle.com. I'm setting myself up for failure here, but I'm going to go a little bit Rain Man on y'all. Mm-hmm. We've been ready. We've been waiting. First of all, gentlemen, I've just got to say thank you very much for giving me the gift of this fact check because it was quite extraordinary sifting through decades and decades we've always said you're quite gifted uh, thank you uh, of title sequences and just seeing how cinema has changed so much mm. I got very excited looking back on all the not amazing not just cinema things. but title sequences but title sequences have yeah. changed here we go MASH Clockwork Orange, Dirty Harry, Deliverance, The Exorcist, American Graffiti, Mean Streets, Godfather Part 2, The Conversation. Uh, I've got to say, yeah. the films of the 1970s were pretty unadventurous with their titles. Right. All of these films, they're very straight-laced, very simple, very clear, static text. Not much happens. Oh, I've got yes. to think that the 1970s might be the decade where they paid more attention to the physical opening scenes themselves as opposed to the text and titles. A couple of honourable mentions to innovative title sequences. Chinatown. <clears throat> it had some scrolling text, pretty arbitrary scrolling text. The Sting had some pretty beautiful hand-painted artwork in oh, the yes. form of a book. The French Connection, 1971, Gene Hackman, probably the most adventurous of the early 70s with like sliding text across the screen. But going through all of these... All of these films, i got to say that the Bond title sequences have far more in common with the films of the 50s and the early 60s. You know, I know I mentioned Clockwork Orange before, but I think that the work of Pablo Ferro and Saul Bass... Oh, Saul Bass, yeah. You know, and the Hitchcock films and the B-movies of the 50s, you know, your body snatches and your Creature of that's Black Lagoon. my like, head went. That's where it's coming effects. from. And those, those films hmm. seem to me far more innovative with their text effects yep. than the films of this period of, mm-hmm. of 74 right early 70s but yeah the Bond because uh, funnily the Bond films were accused of being too old fashioned in the 70s in particular yeah mm. right right I'm going to have to say though that the award for the most ambitious and impressive opening title text work 
is not for a film, but for a TV series. The Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. If you go back and you look at the text effects that are particularly used for season four and five, and we're talking 63, 64 here, Mm -hmm. the shattering and all these kind of particles going together to form the text, amazing, amazing. But as for water effects... Yes. Couldn't find a thing. Really? I'm going to do my own research here. Do a bit more heavy digging, and if anyone out there has prime examples of films somewhere around the 50s, 60s, and 70s of water effects, I'd Mm. love to see them. I'm going to call this one unchecked. Unchecked fact check. Unchecked. The jury's still out a little bit. So I'd like to know the very first I'm film. I'm feeling pretty confident. That I don't think you that. should be. I don't think I you don't should know. be. My head's going to the B-movies such as like Creatures of the Black Lagoon. Yeah, the see, but they're I very at, static. I look Creatures of Black Lagoon. But they, they, was, some they inventive could still text, do Shimmer. They could still they could do, do Shimmer, Shimmer, which is all that that water effect is. Yeah. Creature of Black Lagoon definitely doesn't. Cause that even, was if that it's not, even if it's not the that, first one to do it. Mm. I think it's still an effect that holds up to this day. Mm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I was watching and I was like, I was, a, I was genuinely uh, tickled and impressed. Ooh, well, yes, oh. he was. He was. He, he was. was. And I don't usually give Maurice Binder much kudos, but I feel like I have to on that. This time he was tickled. He was yeah. tickled. And look, I must admit, having sifted through decades worth of title sequences, what we saw from Morris in this particular film is unlike anything else. I'm so excited to see the title sequence for From Russia with Love. Oh, yeah. yes. Mm. So Robert Brown, John. Oh, mm. all right. Sounds like a Robin Hood. <laughs> Before we do, though, when was Spy Hard released? 1990. Oh, 91, 93. That's Three. exactly what you said in the episode. Is it? 91 or 93. <laughs> oh, my God. It's released. It's release date was the 24th of May. 1996. What? Wait, could you believe it came that much later? It came after Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And before Tomorrow Never Dies. Ooh. 96. That surprised me. It's a better film than Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Lorenzo. now. Lorenzo's listening. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Was Bill Fairbanks 009 or 002? Darby and I said that. He was 002. Brandon thought he was 009, but then you also said that 009 is the octopus. Octopus is the clown that gets killed, yeah. Bill Fairbanks is better known as 002. Oh, in your face. (laughs) Oh, he's a humble winner. (sighs) But Brandon, of course, you were very right. Octopus is 009. You've still got that. (laughs) Doesn't feel great. (laughs) (laughs) How do you pronounce the name of the... I'm coming for your job. Mm. Oh, and he's coming for mine too. Yeah, coming he's for a bit of a dirty devil. He is a dirty devil. Hey, okay. hang on now. Okay. How do we pronounce the name of the Thai kickboxing sport Muay Thai? Muay Thai. Muay Thai. I said that it's pronounced Muay Thai, where Brandon and Darby pronounced it Mai Thai. Muay. Muay. Which is a drink, like actually. The drink. Muay Thai, yeah. yeah. Later Muay. in the it's episode, like Muay, Thai. Muay Thai. Well, this is the funny it's thing. Muay, Later Muay on in the episode, you, Brandon, very casually in passing, say Muay Thai. Oh, he's a dirty devil. I searched the website. I, I, I searched website <laughs> after website, clip after clip. Here, I sifted through a whole bunch of stuff to find an accurate pronunciation. Do you think I could find one? Just type it into Absolutely Google. Pronounce. Not. No, every different clip, even from professional. Matches and events. Mm. People had. I literally heard two officials in the same event pronounce it Mai Tai and Mu Tai. Oh. 
This however, is going to have to be another unchecked. However, okay. according to the pronunciation on the Wikipedia page about the sport, yeah. the va- and a vast majority of professionals that I did come across online, it is pronounced Muay Thai. Mm. There which you is how you said it in passing. Yeah. In passing. Mm. But he was adamant that it was Muay yeah. or something. Instinctively. Yeah. And now, sober. Muay Thai. I, I said it correctly as well. There you so, go. Well done, me. <laughs> well done, me. My job's secure. <laughs> Last one for the fact check, guys. Oh. What is the knot used for Moore's neckties? I could tell you what it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. I said that they look like full Windsors, but Brandon believes oh, they have one. a slight lean to it. You and your Which means they're probably ties, a four guys. in hand. Well, if it is a Windsor, that goes against... The Fleming Old bond, Old because Old Fleming said, uh, and I believe he may have even ri- written it in the Bond novels, that uh, he couldn't trust a man who wore a Windsor knot. For any particular reason? No, no. Probably just someone back at the Academy that swore by a Windsor knot, and so he hated them forever. <laughs> he did hold grudges. Um, it's probably a foreign... No, it didn't look like a foreign hand, because it, was t- it wasn't thin enough. Right. Well, in a post oh, yes. from BanffStyle.com, oh, yes. mm-hmm. a great effort is made to deconstruct the blue suit that Bond wears at the belly dancer's dressing room in Beirut. Oh, yes. Now, on describing the tie, it is said that it is tied in a four-in-hand knot. Oh, it is, And really? that particular knot is rampant through that film. So the majority of those mm. ties... Are four in hand. So you're right. Not only are you our expert in the field, you're our style expert in the field. Hang on now. Stop it. No, no, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I wish that I could, but that is fact check. Thank you very much, Mr. Spear. Well, moving on to uh, our favourite segment. uh, Yes, our favourite segment. Reconceived notions. Um, Who wants to go first? Who feels most strongly? About this, Darby, you said that you were looking forward I to a, looking a forward. noir. I am thriller. I hope it delivers mm. in the noir look. We haven't spoken much about our passions outside Bond, mm. um, but lay it on us. But I do love my noir. Yeah, yeah. just say, unpack that a little just bit more. Well, what, what are we looking for when <clears throat> someone says noir? It's a sort of atmosphere. I guess right. is the definable quality that most people would agree with. There are lots of people talk about high key lighting, um, framing choices, shadows, but it's more shadows. I think that fedoras, a, yeah, but that's an idea that kind of Federer. goes across other mm. genres as well. High mm. key lighting and shadows. So I don't think it's distinctly noir. Right. The style of lighting, you know, the Venetian blind look, the high shadows is important. But I think what defines noir are its characters. Right. I don't think it's about necessarily style. I think style's obviously a big part of it, but it's the same reason you can watch a modern film such as, uh, let's say, Brick. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson's film, which springs to mind, which is a high school set kind of film shot pretty standard for its day on not a lot of money, so it doesn't have a very noirish look. But due to its characters, undeniably noir. Right. And I think noir influences a lot of my work as a filmmaker as well. It's mm. one of it's kind of the granddaddy genre. And I don't think we would have Bond without it either. Right. What is, about a film like, say, Drive? Drive's very noir. There are subcategories of noir, I think. Right. They're more prescribed by fans and, you know, people that 
love movies than I think by the makers but it's considered to be a neo-noir which is a big thing as well neo-noir kind of appears pretty early as well I think Taxi Driver is considered one of the early Mm neo-noirs and so is Le Samurai from 1967 which is one of my favourite films it's also Drive is considered a neon-noir as well, or which neo. is that well neon that because the, of the lighting, the, lighting and the way style. that they subvert that. Yeah, I think that's a newer that's a newer thing. That yeah. kind of pink and um, what, what is it, pink and teal or whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah, it yeah. Kind of permeated Tube a lot lighting. of cinematography in the last, I would say, ten. That years. That wasn't so much present in the in the film as it was the marketing. The marketing, yes, yeah, 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 but it became quite. Dumb. So, yeah. what kind of? I mean, you talk about noir being about the characters and things like that. Mm. What are the kind of tropes or the character sort of archetypes that we're dealing with in a noir setting? Well, you usually have an outsider okay. um, in a, in a noir. Your, your hero is typically an outsider of some kind, right. um, and there's typically uh, a larger threat. I guess is the kind of the basic trope of a noir is there's always someone trying to uncover a mystery or get to the bottom of something try and make a discovery whether it's personal or for a client or for society or the world Mm. so i think in that that's why i look at from russia with love and i go i can very easily see how bond could do noir while also being out and out spy movie you know because it's essentially you know it's already got the femme fatales it's already got the villains Mm. it's already got the Mm. the costuming and and the style and the you know the time period so mm. yeah this for me i'm ready i'm ready for noir bond fabulous mm. goodness me mm. i'm very excited myself i have to say yeah i think what we're going to witness today is top tier bond and i'm going to put it out there what? yeah i think this is going to be connery's best Ooh. that's my prediction what what's giving you that gut feeling i just think this is how many He's three films in. Second. This This is is only his his second second film. Wow, okay. And a year after Dr. No. Yeah, see... His first four were all a year after each other. That's just unbelievable. Yeah. I just think that there's an element about this film. it's, It's out in the zeitgeist. You hear its name getting echoed through the halls from Russia with Love. (laughs) <laughs> and it just has this air about it of classic. It does. Yeah. There's yeah. a sort of, and, and also not just classic, but classy. Yeah. It Ooh. seems there's to a have sophisticated. A this sophistication is a solid film. Yeah. And not only are we going to get good Bond, I think, yeah, I think you said it before we started recording, Brandon, I think this is going to be a cracker of a film. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I'd like to think that Connery, off the back of his premiere film, He's kind of settling in just a little bit, but he's still a bit new to it going, oh, I've got to follow this up now. So there's still something at stake for him. Sure. Mm. I think I think everyone's going to be in a pretty good groove with this film. Mm. And it's a Terrence. And you mentioned last Terrence episode, Young, yes. you think he might be my favourite director. Yeah, because I mm. think he might be my favourite. Mm. Um, I, uh, I truly adore this film. Um, I've tried not to talk about this film too much while we've been reviewing the others Mm. um, because I don't think it's fair sometimes to bring up just how good this film is. I did say it before we started recording while we were eating pancakes this morning (laughs) uh, that um, I thought that this wasn't just a good Bond film. I think it's a good film. That's an exciting statement. Yeah, if yeah. the if the Bond franchise didn't exist, you know that they didn't make twenty five films or twenty three films after this, 
and this was a standalone film released in 1963. I think we'd still be talking about it today. Mm. Mm. It is up there with the Hitchcocks. Oh, absolutely. Hitchcock's influence is definitely felt through this film as well. Mm. Um, this has uh, extraordinary performances from its uh, villains. Wow. Extraordinary. Um, the uh, the Bond woman in this, uh, Daniela Bianchi, who plays Tatiana Romanova, is iconic. Wow. The chemistry that she has with Connery is something that very few uh, people have with their Bond actor in subsequent films. This is kind of what they're chasing a lot of the time. I think a lot of them get it. We've seen it. We've seen a lot of great Bond women. Mm. Um, I think Tatiana Romanova is... Oh, she's maybe all time. Mm. I, yeah, I can't say much more because I don't want to spoil anything. I love this film. There is... When I think Bond... When I'm making a Bond-style meal or pouring myself a drink, mm. uh, like a Bond cocktail or having a Bond beer or just doing anything Bondish, Bondage. I'm always thinking the feel of From Russia with Love. Mm. Particularly, it seems to have that oh, yes. around it. It's oh, got an atmosphere. It's got an aura. It's that classical sophistication. Mm. It's it's got this identity, doesn't it? And it's it? got one of the best allies in the franchise oh okay Ooh. Mm. the guy that set the standard for allies in future films is he Felix? no uh, no it's not not Felix his name's Karim Bay okay um, alright fascinating story about the guy who played him too which I'll talk about Ooh, later can't wait to get into that gentlemen I think <laughs> it's time it. it's time Finally. to pop in the blu-ray for 1963's from Russia with love and Russia is the only way to love. Nah, <laughs> probably cut it up. Cut that one. First Maybe. One. Right. Well, gentlemen, we have just seen 1963's From Russia With Love. How are we feeling, Mr. Spear first? My goodness me. I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something right now. Do it. I'll think about it. <laughs> do you know what you're going to say? <laughs> yes, I do. God damn it, say it. This film is the birth of James Bond. Whoa. Yeah. This is where it all happens. Yeah. Right. I'm with you on that. Mm. Okay, okay. I'll I'll see what elaborate more. Darby Dex. Initial reaction, keep it under ten words. Hated it. Right. No. <laughs> Adored every second I was watching this movie, it's wonderful. Oh, ten exactly. Ten words. Exactly. Wow. Good on you. Uh, it's it's is a conjunction, but still. it is. But I'll, I'll it, it is. is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm with both of you. This is the birth of beautiful bouncing Bond. Wow. I love everything about this movie, and God damn it, this speaks to the soul of me. Mm. This is... When you say this is the birth of the Bond movie, Mm. 
Doctor No's a damn good film. Yeah. 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 Goldfinger's it's still got all its there moments in Doctor No. From Russia with Love. Mm-hmm. My God. Yeah. This Perfection, was thy realized. name is F R W L. Oh. Sorry? The oh. acronym of From Russia with Love. Gotcha. To Swillem <laughs> and Frowell. <laughs> <laughs> What language is that? Seriously, I was watching this today and oh. I do not understand why Goldfinger is held up as the gold standard because this film has it all. Yeah. It does everything Goldfinger does but better. Yeah. And it has more. Mm. Yeah. If this film was just the scenes on the Orient Express, mm-hmm. it is still better than damn near every other film. In this franchise. Wow. Big claims. If that's a big claim. I don't think you entirely mean that. I do mean that. Just, if you you were to say, if just the train I'm sequence. not saying that the other films are bad. No, no. But this is still bad. But this film, you just give me the Orient Express, I'm satiated. Wow. wow. Can't say that for Tomorrow Never Dies. Mm. Can't say that for Octopussy. How the hell do you make this film... And Octopussy and Tomorrow Never Dies <laughs> and call that the same franchise. It's pretty incredible. How man. do you stray from the path of this? This is exceptional. Gentlemen, let's talk about him because I'm <laughs> I'm bloody excited. You're chopping at the bit to get into this. I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. <laughs> let's talk about Sir Sean Connery, knighted in 2000, 2001, I believe. Who cares? Oh. Because 1963, that's his crowning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did well. He did well. He struggled a little bit. I struggled a little bit. Together. Look, I've been drinking. People surprise, seem to want to hear surprise. that on the surprise, podcast. Surprise. Yeah, surprise, surprise. I like a martini. Look, we said it during the screening. I certainly believe it. He is James Bond. Mm-hmm. It's so, you know, every time we, we watch another, a new Bond actor's film, I get seduced by them. And then I start believing that they're Bond. Yeah. And it's, I am a flip flopper. I am a You're flip flopper. You, you, you know what? You know what? You know what? You flip and you flop. I'm a dirty devil. Oh, oh, he says it on the podcast. You know what? I'll admit that one. I am a flip flopper. But watching this, he's the OG. He is, and the it's OG, so hard isn't watching that. You go. He just embodies that man. He embodies James Bond. It all. It all starts and ends with him. There's, there's really. About him. There's something about him. There is a lived in energy about his performance as Bond, particularly in this film that I think Craig gets in Casino Royale and that Dalton gets in The Living Daylights they are three very different actors, three I would say when you break them down very different portrayals of Bond focusing on a very different yeah, very different times as well Actually, funnily enough, 20 years separates each of those actors. Wow. You have the 60s, the 80s, and the 2000s. Mm. Yeah. So, so the are. next Bond won't be... Won't be very no. good until... Uh, <laughs> no, well, no, no 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking <laughs> good. Straight in. He's, he's fine. No. Yeah, he doesn't have to have someone in between. <laughs> um, there is something about the three of them where there is a lived-in... Uh, reality to them. I completely agree with you. Look, I've had my qualms with Mr. Connery, or uh, the thug, as Jake would call him. Yeah, you did call him the thug. Although I must say, the only thing I've not liked him in is Goldfinger. 
I got mm. yeah. Mm. I'm gonna say watching him in this, I felt so at ease as an audience member. Mm. And so assured that I didn't have to worry about the man doing something stupid. You know, right. I didn't have to right. worry. I just was like, as you said, the lived-in quality that you're both talking about. Mm. He just was James Bond. And he, he just, for those two hours, he just was. And he yeah. existed. And he did the things that he did. And I believed all of it. And didn't for one second look at a man's performance. Yeah. This for me was probably the most impressive performance as James Bond I have seen thus far, yeah. including the Living Daylights. Really? Wow. This, this is above Dalton? This is above Dalton's oh, performance. Man. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to say this because <laughs> it may not come through. I mean, I feel like it will come through in the podcast, mm. but Darby is a huge Daltonite. Dalton is still my favourite Bond, regardless sure. of this performance, because I think Connery as a... But outside of the podcast, mm. you have spoken about Dalton's performance in such hushed and revered tones. Yes. That for you to say something like that, that is huge high praise. Mm. Well, mm. you heard it here. That is, that's first. not flippant. I, I, I'm, I, yeah. yeah, I was really blown away by him. I thought that he, yeah, he's, he simply was. That's the only way I can put it, is that he just existed. Mm. Um, and, when, like and, when I was watch, an yeah, and when I was watching The Living Daylights, I was blown away by the man I was seeing in the, in the lived-in performance. But I was still knowingly watching Timothy Dalton as James Bond. I didn't reach that transcendent kind of level. First film, yeah. First film yeah. where I did in this, where I was watching James Bond. Yes. I don't think it happens very often where you are truly watching yes. the man. In fact, let's go through the films that we've seen so far. Mm. In which films would you say... You're seeing the man. You're seeing the man. I would say, actually, funnily enough... Live and Let Die. You mean consistently across the whole thing? Where I'm just going, because you I'm get watching flashes Bond. of the man, yes. obviously. Yeah, consistently across the film, I'm watching James Bond. I would say this, for sure, mm-hmm. from Russia with Love, absolutely. Definitely. Live and Let Die is, yep. is up there for me. That's mm-hmm. the best, I think, that Roger is as Bond. I think he's actually better in that than he is I in The Spy. I thought he was pretty good in The Spy. He is fantastic yeah. in The Spy, actually. Very good at He Spy. may have too. Mm. The more I think about it. Spy Who Loved Me. And then I'm going to say Mr. Pierce Brosnan in Goldeneye. And, and although I and, just... And Dalton in uh, Living, Living Daylights. Daylights. Yeah. yeah. Mm. They're, the, they're the five so far. Do you boys have I, 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 would, subs- I would agree with that, I think. My debate would be who is... Which Roger film between... Spy and Live. Spy and Live. What would be do I dare? Do I dare give him two? I mean, the man does more films, so maybe he's earned two. Uh, I'd give him two because I think that Sean has another one. I'll that look we out. Haven't seen yet. Okay. Look, I've been a bit hushed on this. From Russia with Love and Thunderball are the two films I always think of when it comes to Sean Connery. Right. Mm-hmm. I adore. Both of those films. Adore mm. them. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm looking forward to Thunderball. Mm. Mm. And man, watching this today, Sean Connery did not let me down. The second he walks into M's office there, 
Oh it's like, like you said, Dubs, we are in such good hands. Mm, You're yeah. totally right. I kind of just... For me, this film isn't a jump-up-and-down Bond film. You know, it's not my sugar 90s kid hit of a Bond film. Mm-mm. But this thing is just a constant... I it's mean, an it's IV like, drip. It, it is. It's just drip-feeding you it all is. of that juicy Bond nutrients. Ooh. All of those Ooh, things yes. you need. And as soon as he walks in and... He, he just looks the business and yeah he's treading this line that i think as time goes by he experiments with and in certain films drifts too far with this idea of the unflappable bond mm. you know what's my what's my line here of cool calm collected man on the job yeah and i don't give a fuck because i've read the script and i know i'm okay yeah you know and in certain films we get the version where he's gone far too far too the other way much too much much too much (laughs) (laughs) and we go well all right he's clocked off he doesn't care the stakes are gone all this kind of stuff but this yeah i think this is what i was talking about in the pre in the preconceived notions is that he's still i don't know because it's his second film there's still something at stake but there's a level of ownership that's coming into this character now that really came to the forefront for me and he just felt like a real guy mm. yeah. that you believed in in the history and the backstory of this character of like the way he handles his weapons the way he handles the fights and his suit and his gadgets and the routine of being on a mission mm. i think it was just spot the, on the only issue i have with him i mean it's along the same yeah. lines it's more yeah. a 2020 sensibility right mm-hmm. and i think it it also plagues the connery era f- films the yeah. era and initially where where I might have gone, oh, it's too much and it shouldn't be there. It's this idea of this inherent randiness that the films and James and Sean have. Right. And initially I rejected that and I didn't like it. And I still I have my problems with the films being a little bit over randy, such as, you know, the 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 uh, girl on girl wrestling and the, just those little yes. elements just that just kind of seep <laughs> yeah, in. fair enough. But... It's still kind of, it, you know, it's the 60s. Mm-hmm. And for James Bond, I would go as far as saying that, that the sort of randiness his, he feels does help to invigorate his character in the sense that you mm. believe him as being this kind of man-seeking limits. You know, so it kind of makes yes. sense that he would believe, like that he would feel he that. Could, he could die know? at any minute. Essentially. And so... There's a line that's always stuck out to me from the Fleming novels, and the line, and I think it unlocks so much of the James Bond character, which is, I take ridiculous pleasure in what I eat and drink, mm. and I know that seems like a really banal quote, but when you unpack that, this is a man who could, at any second be shot in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. There is always someone who would be seeking retribution or vengeance against him. And yet, he keeps his head down and stays on the job. And keeps good humour. And tries to keep that good humour. Mm. And in so doing, he's aware of his ridiculous appetite. Mm-hmm. For an ordinary man, you would ridicule his appetite, be that for food, drink, or women. Mm. But because at any second he could be breathing his last, Mm. 
there is a certain license afforded him where you go, of course you would indulge. Mm. Because you want to live an entire life. Yeah. And you know... It could be cut short. ...that you won't. Yeah. Mm. Bond doesn't live to be an old man. No. There's no way. As much as we want to see old man Bond. As much as we do, yeah. As much as we have. And, yeah, and <laughs> Roger, Roger have. Get, gets us as close. <laughs> Sean gave us, gave us a little taste as well. But he either retires you early and lives see, a quiet life well, or he gets killed see, on the job. Yeah, you can't yeah. see Bond mm. getting that retirement. Mm. I mean, it's one of my favourite lines in the franchise. It's Craig's line in Casino Royale when he breaks into M's apartment. And she says... I knew it was too early to promote to you. And he says, Well, from what I understand, double O's have a very short life expectancy. Mm. So your mistake will be short-lived. Yeah. And that there sums up so much of the Bond character in the same way that I Take Ridiculous Pleasure does. Yeah. Um, And I felt that with with Connery in this film. Mm. I just kind of went, This is a man who kind of knows he's living on borrowed time yeah yeah the uh, that, that great unknown of yeah like, well yeah and it doesn't make him it. unafraid of death because when red grant has him you can see in his eyes that he's like this is it mm. i need to try every fucking move that i can but it also affords him that kind of um playfulness yeah absolutely mm. which i i don't find i must say Looking back on the the, the Brosnans, as we just come out of, he's them. not a very playful Bond. No, he has quips. I, I don't get that same kind of uh, mm. life and death stake. Yeah, mm. yeah, out of him. I think Brosnan's Bond is never unsure of surviving. Mm. Too unflappable, as yeah, we say. Yeah. Yes, this superhero Bond, this invincible, yeah. unflappable Bond. I apologise if that uh, took us too off the rails there. No, no I don't think that it did. No. Well, I apologise. Wow. Well, it's accepted, but you unnecessary. Should, I, I, you misplaced. I may leave this podcast. What did you think? Oh, what have you what done? Have you so done? You've got to go to the toilet again, don't you? No. You're just looking for an <laughs> excuse to leave. <laughs> no. Uh, Joe, anything else on Connery? Connery. Mr. Spear. <clears throat> We've still got a little bit more to go. Don't we? We don't have to sum up his, his tenure just we can, yet. We have one more film right. to go before we can do the We're Connery uh, summation. Mm. I want to leave it there for me, just now. Which is where? Which is, this is clearly his best. So far. So far. I, I think, I don't know. I'm really debating where he sits now. Because I think what he does in this film carries a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I just... I don't know where he sits compared to my other Bonds. After watching this... Even after what happens in Diamonds and all of that kind of business and and the problems of Goldfinger, there were moments when I was sitting there enjoying this film so much that I sat there thinking he is James Bond. Mm, yeah. He brings such a an incredible authenticity of just this is my life. 
I think. Uh, oh, no, no, go, go. I think we just inhaled at the same time. We did. Mm-hmm. Uh, As if to signal we had a point to make. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm with you. I, I after watching this, and we've seen it, you know, nearly all of the Connery mm. tenure, enough to start thinking about conclusions to draw at least. Mm. Yeah. Um, especially if Thunderball is more of the same. You know, this style. Well, yeah. Who knows? You don't know. But, um, well, you know. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I guess my feeling is I just wish that Connery had done three Bond films. Mm-hmm. I wish that Moore had done three. And I wish there were only about 12. That's kind really? of... That's what watching this film wow. tells me. It's like... There's something in you, doing too You nailed many. it. You nailed it. It was there. It was all there. You know what I think the perfect Bond tenure is? Go for it. What is it? It's five films. Right. And you're Bond for a decade. Mm. You go two, four, six, eight, zero. And then the next guy takes over. Mm. Four films between each. Five films. That's it. Mm. Two years in between each. Mm. Sorry, four years between the, the transition. No, no. So two, four, six, eight, zero. Oh, right. And then the next guy takes over. Two, four, six, eight, zero. Oh. So you, say Sean Connery, mm-hmm. would go sixty-two to seventy. Yeah. More. Well, look, it would probably have to go Lazenby, uh, seventy-two to whatever, mm. seventy-two to eighty, and then uh, more or. Dalton goes 82 to 90. Brosnan goes 92 to 1,000. Craig goes 1,002 to 2010. Mm. And then we would have someone it's else. It's too like, convenient, oh, Brandon. What, whatever. It's too simple. But I think five <laughs> is the perfect number. Mm. Because we see that the two who have done six and seven, which is Connery and Moore, they've got one or two absolute Duds, mm. yes. You know what I mean? Where you just kind of go, that film didn't need to be made. Yeah. For Connery, I think it's Diamonds Are Forever. That film didn't really didn't need, need to be, be made, made yeah. and they didn't finish making it. For Roger Moore, I don't know if we've found it yet. We may have Octopussy. Octopussy's up there for us. Hang on, be cool. But be we cool. do still have. Two Roger Moores and left. They're, they're pretty nefarious. That Rogers. are not known to be good ones. They are. That's mm. Moonraker and A View to a Kill. Mm. Um, poor Pierce Brosnan got four, and his strike rate's not no, it's <laughs> 50-50. Not, not great, but Craig's I think is pretty good. Well. He's he's leaning into his fifth film, mm. and I don't think you could say that Spectre. Or Quantum of Solace, which are widely considered to be his weakest. Yes. Uh, I don't think you could say that they're on the level of Diamonds Are Forever or Die Another Day. Or, no. or Octopus. No, you're no. right. No, nowhere near. No, no way. No. Yeah. I know a lot of people have soft spots for Octopussy. You don't have to keep writing. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, let's get into it. The pre-title sequence. This is yes. the first ever pre-title sequence yes and this is what I'm saying this film is the birth of James Bond yeah you're bloody right they dipped their toe in with Dr. No there were elements that have obviously carried over Mm -hmm. the formula was begun but this is where they realised hang on 
we're onto something here. Let's do the gun barrel again. Let's do the gun barrel. The gun <laughs> barrel hangs around. The, the, the theme song. Everything mm. all the way through. It actually had a theme song. Mm. You know, yes. the title sequence. It's like, we didn't have that in Doctor No. We didn't have... We had... Uh, underneath the mango uh, tree. Underneath the mango tree and, and three blind mice. and so, Like, yeah. to think back to Doctor No and the craziness of that um, title, title sequence. sequence and then to get this. Yeah. This beautiful... You know the laser what projection and the and the bodies and the connection to the to the characters, the gypsy dancers mm. in the film and stuff. This level of sophistication. Yes. This is Bond. This is the birth of Bond. It mm. is the birth of Bond, and it's funnily enough all thanks to Terence Young and Peter Hunt. Mm. So that scene that is the pre-title sequence, and I'm doing quotation bunny ears. Yes. Um, that was meant to happen later in the film. Right. The film was meant to open as written on a title sequence because right. that's how films started oh, in yeah. the 60s yeah. you had the titles which gave all the credits of the players and the crew and then you went into the film Peter Hunt and Terence Young when they watched the, the sequence where the fake Bond is hunted they went no this is not to be later in the film this opens it wow so what they did is they put it before the title sequence and then their thinking was but we have to let the audience know that the film has started so they put the gun barrel at the start of it perfect so to start with that loud shot and the bond theme that was the birth of that moment. It's on. We know. Because films started with the title sequence. Yeah. Mm. And for them, that, that gun barrel sequence was to let the audience know, uh-uh, this isn't the way we've made films mm. for the last, This isn't you know, your nana's Yeah, this isn't Grandma movie. and Grandma. <laughs> we're going to start it with a bit of action. We're going to tease you. Mm. Then we're going to give you a title sequence. And then you'll watch the film. Mm. And it's just it's absolutely brilliant. That pre-titled sequence yeah. is fantastic. I love it down to every minuscule detail. The way that Connery is made up in that scene, where he's got too much foundation yes. and makeup on, which serves the fact that it's that not, not Bond. Yeah. When they rip the mask off, it's that thing of going... That's why Connery didn't look very real yes. in those opening sequences. They because it's it. latex. Mm. It's beautiful, uh, minuscule attention to detail. Mm. It's throughout the entire film. But when they do that, I just kind of go, brilliant. Yeah. And the way it sets up Red Grant, oh, who no. I think is probably the best henchman in the series. You've said that a couple of times. <laughs> Who have I said that about? No. Well, I think Nick Knack. Nick Knack. Nick Knack's up there for me. Mm. I said. I said he was up there. For Would me. you say Red Grant is your favorite? Red Grant's my number one of the of the original twenty? Mm. Wow. Wow. Red Grant. I, mean, I think I'd vote alongside you there. Yeah, he's pretty he's bloody good. Pretty damn good. Mm. God damn it! I just got to say that pre-title sequence. The fact, like, where? What other film? What other film series can you open a film in like a this kind of it's almost like a hedge maze mm. you know with these incredible uh, you know greco-roman sculptures and that light and all of this kind of stuff it's beautiful it's like they're sneaking through versailles gardens or yeah, something yeah. like that and then 
Because all those spotlights mm. come on and the henchmen are in black turtlenecks and stuff. It's like, yes! It's gorgeous stuff. And something that could be done again today. Yeah. You know, shot for shot. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. Absolutely. You know, I mean, look, I will just point out. Go for it. Just yeah, because yeah. I'm go a on, go on, go on. <laughs> we'll just go point on. out. There's my double. <laughs> <laughs> that the whole Connery mask thing yeah. yes. is purely and simply for the audience. I'm not making judgment on it, mm. but it is there for the audience. It absolutely is. Yes. It, I it's, would it's, say yeah. it's a it's set up as a recurring theme in pre-title sequences though in that and here's a spoiler for you oh yeah there's a little bit of it teased in Thunderball it's in the opening of You Only Live Twice and the opening of Skyfall where it's the pre-title sequence in which Bond dies Mm. yes and so that's a recurring theme that kind of pops up with these pre-title sequences of Bond's death. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but in yeah. other ones, it's more kind of... I just say it's for the audience in the sense that having Sean Connery... Ha, con, finding and constructing a latex mask... Yes. Just for the purposes of a training exercise and then having a reveal when everyone who is there present in the scene Clearly is aware of what's happening. It just, it just annoys me a touch. I would I'm say I, to let it I, go. I, I, I'm going to fight you on this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you want to. <laughs> right, right, you're right. Right. That's what it's about. Um, ding, ding. I would say that I like that more because it kind of shows the callousness of the organisation of Spectre that they are willing to sacrifice a life for a training exercise mm-hmm. and the way he kind of carelessly flops the mask in his hand as he walks away back to the Spectre facility that suggests to me that it's not the first or last time that they will do it mm-hmm. so there's something in that that I quite like which whereas with You Only Live Twice it kind of we're led to believe oh oh maybe Bond is dead which I think is slightly cheaper than what they do here and it's actually a problem I have with Skyfall where we have this idea of oh maybe Bond's dead it's like no there's at least two hours to go (laughs) so at least in From Russia With Love they go yeah 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 it's not Bond we gotcha Whereas in You Only Live Twice and Skyfall, there's kind of a bit of that, oh, maybe he is, or who knows, maybe but they, this is a flashback. But they know that it's not. They know it's not. Be perceived that way. But the it's filmmakers, more for the characters, isn't it? Yeah, but the filmmakers feel like they're playing with the audience just a little yeah. bit more in those two yeah, yeah, uh, efforts. And I think that's a little, a little cheaper. I don't mm. think either of those two openings are bad openings. No, no, no. Um, I don't know what you mean. But, um, would the guy let me just dig a little deeper here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Would the guy playing Sean Connery be acting like Sean Connery? <laughs> well, that's actually the thing that I find really remarkable about this is because I've seen this film so many times and watching it again now after us watching so many of the Bond films, he's actually not acting like Sean Connery. Sean Connery is doing a lot of frightened, unsettled acting mm, Okay. in that opening. I'll it's, take it. It's, it's very un-Connery, actually. It's interesting because I think you're right. There was a moment when... when the, He's actually terrified. The fake Bond in that, yes. in that sequence fires a shot. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that happened, I thought, geez, that doesn't really make sense. Or that was a stupid move from him. Yeah. Why would you reveal your position by firing an incredibly loud gunshot when you know you're being pursued through these gardens? Yeah. That would be, for me, an example of Connery, the actor, trying to play against his Bond character, yeah. right? When, when Red Grant snaps the twig, yeah. the reaction of Bond of total fear mm-hmm. is so against type for what Connery does in terms of when he's responding to danger in yes. his other films and even within this film. Absolutely. That I kind of go, you know what? That's actually pretty layered, detailed acting for me. Mm. I could be wrong. I could be reading into it too much. I may have seen this film way too many times. I don't think times. you're reading into it too much, but, you know, I, I, but what, I certainly How didn't pick up on it super consciously <laughs> in my viewing of it right now. Yeah, fair enough. Discussing it with you, I think you're right. And unpacking it in greater detail, I think there's plenty of examples for that case. So I'm right. Are you saying I'm saying that on you're the right. Record? You're saying that Brandon McClellan is right. I am saying right. on the record. Are you that... saying that you're a dirty devil? No, I'm not. Okay. Well, I think I think I'll you're get right. you one day, Spear. <laughs> yeah, we already got it today. Yeah, we you did already once get today. It. You should be thankful. But I I'll agree get you with three Darby. Times, baby. Wait, hang on. He's agreeing with me. I agree with Darby oh, hang on. in the sense that I don't think it's necessarily overtly explicit enough. But that's the beauty of it. Well, that's the fine line that they need to dance, isn't and it? And that's right? the fine line that this entire film dances, if you catch my drift. Yeah, because I think another example that comes to mind is when the bomb goes off. Excuse me? Uh, when Bond is... Think you're octopusy? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. There's a bomb that goes off and the roof starts In to Karimbe. collapse. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, when he's at the consulate. And the, at the consulate, yeah. Yes. The way, if you go back and you watch the way... He handles that. Yeah, They're, everyone that, else is panicking. That flag for me of like, oh, hang on, are we slipping into unflappable Bond territory? Yeah, 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 yeah. No. But he was like, no, no, I'm on it. I'm keeping a level no. head now. That is how Bond reacts yes. to danger. Because Not, he's got the gas mask on. He knows what's coming. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Not what happens when Red Grant snaps the twig and you get this, <gasps> he spins around and he's got that kind of shock and fear in his eye. Yeah. Look, yeah. I'll take it on board. I'll take it on board. I think you should take it to heart. I think it requires. <laughs> I think it requires more viewing, and I think he has an unfair advantage on us in this level of sophistication because he has seen it. Sometimes. Okay. Can I we all agree? You, yeah. Excuse me. Oh, can sorry. we all agree that the latex mask is a one step too far, and actually, as an audience member, gutturally believing that it could be no, true? Because I believe I believe it every time when it's in Mission Impossible. But in Mission and Impossible, it's done it, much better. No, no, it's not. No, oh, I mean when they're original. When they yeah. do those masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And particularly because this is before Mission Impossible did that in the television series. Yeah, yeah. Mission Impossible ripped this moment off from the Bond franchise, mm. and so I give it an extra tick because, yes, we've improved upon it in the later mm. um, uh, sure. Tom Cruise film. But, but in that trial fir- even in that first Tom Cruise film... You can tell that that's Tom Cruise under latex. Whereas with this, when they rip the mask off, Peter Hunt's edit between Sean Connery's face and, and the guy wearing a Sean Connery latex mask, that's a damn sharp edit. Mm. I mean, if you look at it microscopically, you're going to figure it out and sure. pick it apart. But, but in terms of 
watching that, particularly in 1963 on the big screen. But I believe the shit out of it. Mm. I'm with Dubs. I think it is a bit of a construct. And, you know, would Spectre waste their time making a Bond mask for the sake of a training exercise? I don't really know that. I don't know that they would. But I'm Why willing not? to go Why along not? with it. Why not? He just, just said he's just, willing to go along with it. No, no, no. But you said that they wouldn't. You're willing to go along with it. I'm willing why to go wouldn't along with it. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't Spectre go through the process? Yeah. Well, I mean, how... The guy who's just killed Dr. No. I mean, if what's the point of the training exercise? The point of the training exercise... Okay, exactly. <laughs> no, no, exactly. You're right. I, I just want you to explore these points. <laughs> because to work for I'm it. actually no, agreeing with you. He wants to figure you. out his hypothesis Him, as he goes along, yeah, right, according okay. to the information presented. No, because yeah. wearing a Bond mask is silly. But in terms of cinema, I believe it. In Absolutely. terms of absolute reality of yeah, Spectre, yeah. no, they wouldn't. they just have the guy in the moustache fucking... And they'd go, yeah, this is the guy you're following. He's being make Bond, sure you so you'd be really quiet and yeah. make sure you kill him. The title sequence itself. Mm. So we've we've kind of come to a conclusion on the pre-title sequence. Pretty sexy, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Title Even sequence. though it's got silliness, it's a gorgeous title. I did, I didn't say beautiful lighting, beautiful attention to detail of the pre-title. Pre-title. Sequence. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that when we talk about Ted Moore and the beautiful Terence Young. All right, mm. sure. Mm. Okay. The title sequence <laughs> itself by Robert Brown John. Mm. What do we think? I'm going to say right now, two for two. Dazzling. Yeah, definitely two for two. Yeah, he's 100%. Yeah. Maurice, gee whiz, you got lucky. Mm. Because it should have been Brown. Should have gone to Brown. It should have. He did the best. Yeah. Goldfinger's title sequence was one of the highlights of that film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And Binder was chasing that magic. And my goodness, Brown John in this film, amazing. It's stunning. In its simplicity, like, that's all it is. It's like, right, let's get some laser projectors and some beautiful women and some interesting lighting states. And And what he creates out of that. Mm. And let's utilise the movement of the belly dancers to be transitions. Mm -hmm. Pull focus so we kind of, you know, the the legs moving, you know, and all of a sudden half of... Uh, what's the Bond girl actress's name? Oh. Tatiana Romano. Oh, on one leg and then oh, yeah. Daniela Bianchi. Bianchi, yes, her, her last name on one leg and her first name on the other leg, and as mm. the two of them move together, it's and like... saying introducing as oh, well, yeah. like the way that we see introducing being in focus, and then we see Daniela, and then we see Bianchi. It's and big, even the the large burns that yeah. name and image into our brain. The larger plates as well, where they had multiple crew, oh. and they would show something more abstract, like some material flishing. Flishing. Yeah. That's, that's a word now. Yeah. Flashing. With uh flashing. flashing and swishing. Flishing. Um flishing, yeah. With the light just kind of dancing and you can't really read it, and then they would just show that for a couple of seconds and then cut to a still, still. of the legible title. And then it's just like, and then a hand hand would come yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not as not, not, yeah. the line producer might have been a bit like, hang on, I'm not getting hang on a minute, I'm not really featured in that. What's going on? <laughs> the hands kind I of can't over my read my name. <laughs> <laughs> the wardrobe mistress, for example. Yes. Yes. Um I adore it. I yeah. think it's fantastic. I think the way that uh, Barry blends the instrumental of From Russia With Love and the 007 theme, mm. just perfect. Perfect. God, I wish we heard the 007 theme more often. Yeah, I don't understand why it kind of went the way of the dodo, really, didn't it? Well, I think when you've got something like the James Bond theme... Yeah, you can only have one. 
Yeah, it's tough to to keep them both going parallel. Mm. Um, but Jesus Christ, that is a beautiful title sequence. Yeah. It is. Yeah, very nice. The plot of the film. Jake? Yeah? What do you think? Could you keep up with it? Yeah, I kept up with it, but you know what? My what is gut it? Feeling what is at, the plot of the My film? gut feeling at the moment is yeah. that it's one of those classic Bond plots where it's like... Don't think too hard about it. It's like... The stakes are personal. The stakes... I I believe the stakes, and I'm just going along for the ride of it. What actually happened? What is the instigating event? I'm going to be your English teacher right now. They want... Teaching is in session. Lesson is in session. Mr. Deck, do you want detention? Uh, No. No. All right, Mr. Spear, Mr. Deck, yeah. you're the only two students in this class. I'm Mr. McClelland. Uh, I'll write my name on the board. How did we get here? Tell me, what's the instigating event of this story? Instigate. Do you mean the inciting incident? I sir? was not talk the exciting incident. No, I said the inciting, inciting incident. What did I say? Instigating event. Same fucking thing, Spear. <laughs> Do you want to get caned? Because this is the 1960s and teachers can still physically abuse students. Oh my god. I think what the... a horrible time to be a, a kid. <laughs> yes, it is. Isn't it? Mr. Deck, oh. you seem to have an answer. I think the inciting incident. The instigating event. Instigating a, use incident. My event, instigating if you event, don't sir, use my terminology, instigating... I'll cane you. <laughs> I think the instigating event yeah. was that uh, they'd lost Dr. No. Spectre had, yeah, and they were a bit like, "We need this. Uh, we need one of these de- decoders. What was it called? A South a, Dakota elector, elector, which mm-hmm. I still don't know what it does. Um, well, we, it's, a, it's a code de- decoder. We need one. Decoder we know funny. England needs one. Uh, so what we're going to do is, I'm feeling a little sore about Doctor No, and I think Mr. Bond's a problem. So yeah, we'll yeah, lure him. Set a trap. We'll Shut set up, Jake. A trap because England will not refuse the chance to get an electra. Elector. Electing. Elector. It's all right. I like you. And um, and then... Uh, Shut up, Jake! I didn't say anything. Shut the fuck up. I swear to God, I'll cane. Oh, he's very violent I'll cane! Deck. And then... Um, that's essentially the inciting incident. And then they get a, a, a nice Russian girl to lure by sending a, a letter to James Bond yeah. saying, I love you. Yeah. I love you. I yeah, want you. Yeah. I need yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. And then he goes to Russia. I want to hold you. No, he doesn't want, go to Russia. I want to please, please you. you. <laughs> I, got you to, got I got to try a little tenderness. And that's essentially from Russia with love. Well, that is essentially the plot, yes. <laughs> hijinks ensue. Yeah, hijinks ensue. Mm. And such pleasurable hijinks they are. Class dismissed? Or... Yeah, class dismissed. Except for Spear, you've got detention. Ah. Do we believe the whole dating game that she's playing? Yes. Yeah. Dating game? Yeah, you know, sending Bond a letter of herself saying, I love you, James, I love you, James, and he's like... Yeah, no, sure. we don't believe it. We know it's well, a ruse. No, but that's the point. That's the point. Is that the English... They want it... They, they, the Russians... Kron- yeah, Kronstein, no, Spectre... Kronstein says... Right, right. The English will so obviously see that this is a trap. But they, they can't and resist they, the trap. They cannot resist a challenge. Yeah. As we've seen in... Countless Bond novels and yeah. one film. Yeah, and yes. one film. And Kronstein so accurately assumes that they will send no other than 
their favorite agent, James Bond. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. So, Jake, do you have a point? No. Or were you just speaking? You answered it for me. No, you said, do we believe, as if you didn't believe. Yeah, well, I just found it a bit odd that she was... But it's It was ruse. definitely silly. Silly. It was ruse. a ruse. It yeah, is, but uh, it's, a, it's a spy film. It's the point. Mm. I think it was the point. It's the point right. of this point. Oh. Oh, Jake, you simpleton. What? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a fine plot. It was a fine plot. I think and you know what? I think it's a mighty fine plot. Darby, do you agree? I do agree. Thanks. I think it was a mighty fine plot. That's what I said. Well, you said fine. I said mighty fine. I Different think mighty things. fine sums it up a little bit yeah, better. Mighty fine is better. I think the listeners understand that better. I think they, the listeners do understand. Uh. Um... Anything we need to add to the plot? The, the, there was no kind of big, grand, villainous gesture, which was nice. Yeah, that's the thing that I was about to say with a Maybon script. Uh, Is that was right? It? Was it? Is that who wrote this screenplay? Oh, no, Brent? Jake, you seem to know everything. <laughs> it, it was Maybon. I'm pretty sure. I think I'll just Mr. take Maybborn. over for Brandon. Well, I think it's yeah, adapted yeah, yeah. by Joanna Harwood. Oh, I'm sorry. Does that offend you that a woman wrote this? <laughs> Does that <laughs> offend you, Jake? Why would it no, it doesn't offend me at all. Yeah, what? screenplay by Richard Maybaum, adapted by Joanna Harwood. Oh, I'm sorry. So what do you mean adapted? She adapted she, the screenplay? She adapted, she adapted it the novel? from the novel. And then he wrote it. And then, and he, then he wrote it. He, he wrote the dialogue and such. Right, right, right. Right. Because so it's pretty close to the book then? Uh, look, in all seriousness, actually, Brandon, real Brandon coming in here. <laughs> uh, it's uh, probably this Honor Majesties and Casino Royale, the closest we've ever gotten to oh and Thunderball right. are the closest we've gotten to the Fleming novels because I remember you remarking on the uh, attention to detail made in the dinner scene oh yeah he's a real coach. nerd for this shit isn't he oh yeah like how much well, they got gets the all novel hot right. and sweaty oh, when the, I, the right food comes I out I damn love it when Bong orders yogurt green figs and very strong black coffee I absolutely adore it I also adore that he orders grilled sole on the Orient Express for all three of them because that's Bond's favourite dinner is it? he doesn't order it for all three of them yes he does no he doesn't he orders it and then Daniela Bianchi's Tatiana Romanova she goes "Uh," and so he goes yep same for her and then yeah yes he does he goes same for her same for the lady he orders for all three he says we'll take three three of the no, no. Red, Red Grant does no and Red Grant goes I'll have the same no he, he suggests I'm going to hold firm on this one Brandon fact check. I stand by it this is for the fact check yeah, he yeah, yeah. is the one that suggests because... that there will be three of the same meals yes but Red, Red Grant doing that doesn't mean that he initiated it Bond initiates the order of soul and then the others go same again it's a great idea but the grilled soul, soul is exactly what Bond loves in the novels. And what does that and do for you? they have Chianti in the novel on the Orient Express. Yes. And Red Grant orders the wrong Chianti. Yes, does. he does. He orders a red instead That's of a how white. Bondy which is knows. how Bond gets a bit out. of a sniff on him. Mm. Um, but Bond also drinks Tattinger's champagne in that, in that scene, which during the time... Was uh, was the Fleming champagne of choice? Mm. Even though in Moonraker he admits through Bond that Tattinger was a bit of a fad. Huh. Um, look, I'm gonna say it. Mm. This is a damn good Bond film. 
Was that the point of all this? Why did we bring this up? We were talking we, about the plot. The plot yeah, and the yeah, yeah. screenplay. And you from said Mr. that Mabel. I get hard whenever anything uh, Fleming gets brought up. Whoa, well, well, I food. didn't say that. Well, you said I get excited. They're your yeah. words. Yeah, and I like it. <laughs> you do. I just, I, well, it's just a note for the viewers. They don't see us when we're watching the films, and every time there's a little reference to a Chianti or a grilled soul or a or green a fig, fig you, eggs, you yeah. giggle and squeal. Yeah, I swoon. Mm, you swoon. swoon. I squeal, I squeal, and I giggle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No judgment there. Oh, I'm sorry. Guilty oh, as charged. Very hostile today. He's very hostile today. My original point. Uh-huh. Being that if we may, blah blah. If we may, my assumption is that blah, Mab- blah, 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 Maybaum blah, blah, seems blah, to be responsible. Maybaum seems to blah, be responsible. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> this is impossible. <laughs> no, please continue. Do I dare? Yes, blah, dare, blah, dare. Blah, blah, blah. Um, Maybaum seems blah, blah. to be responsible. We've got to cut him off <laughs> much sooner <laughs> than this. <laughs> Maybaum seems to be responsible for the. Uh, the big grand global villain plots. Well, that's what we've know? heard through that's our, what we've this heard. source. No, no, this is damn pretty much damn near the plot of the novel. Yeah, right, mm. right. And and how Maybaum too suggested... early, too early for him to have kind of a great big power over the way. Yeah, that, I guess. That... And his hesitancy towards other films of going, no, no, that storyline is too personal. That it's formed. too small and localized. It needs mm. to be bigger. And then all of a sudden, we end up with, you know crystal lasers and all kinds of things yeah yeah are you alluding to the man with the golden gun no no I'm not alluding to the man with the golden gun I think I'm alluding to diamonds of forever Mm. actually which was a Mankiewicz by himself wasn't it was it really well look what Jake's referring to Brennan is that at some stage you have said Maybaum likes to uh, yes, have a global I know element what he's doing yes yeah. there was there was a comment made a few episodes ago that Maybaum by had, you had problems with a particular Bond film story saying it was too small yeah. too localised and you know what one that bigger. was it was live and let die so sue me that's right that's right so but because Maybaum wrote so this far, film what? I feel like this was it wasn't full of, it wasn't full of big, grand, crazy, you know, mustache twirling villain plots to take over the world and spaceships eating spaceships mm. and all kinds of things like that. It was actually very real, and I won't say personal, but no, it just didn't get too carried away with yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. It's not quite personal, is it? It's no, no. More, yeah, personal in the sense that it is about getting Bond and not about a. Uh, yeah, this thing. this laser ripping through South Korea. Yeah, yeah. What and are we doing over here now? Or? I will see the point. Richard Maybaum wrote Diamonds Are Forever. Mm-hmm. Right, there you there go. You go. Okay. I'll see the point. Okay, fine. It's your point. No, it's Jake's point. But so I feel can good about admitting it. He did. I don't feel good about admitting it. All right. No. All right. The long and the short of it is that I think it's a good plot. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, I'm happy to. Yeah. Leave it at that. Leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Locations. Oh, let's oh, go through smoggy your favorite board. Your favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, going to say the catacombs. Oh my gosh! Yes. yes. The first time we go down, and you know, into that reservoir built by um, Constantine. Constantine. Yeah. You mm. know, and we get on that little. Years ago. Yeah little boat and we're going through those pillars oh, and the rats and look, the water look look Stunning. this is this is the gold standard 
a Bond travelogue, Look in my cool. opinion. Isn't it? Isn't in it? In my just, opinion, this is the film that I'm going to think of when I think of Bond locations. Yeah. Yeah. This has them. He's on a train. It's like, yeah. this is... The, the Orient Express. Yeah. He's in Venice. He's in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. He's in London. Yeah, it's famous. My goodness. It's gorgeous. Beautiful. Yeah. He's travelling across Europe the whole time. It's like, it's stunning. Yeah. Beautiful. No, I really appreciate locations. I think it's hard to differ- differentiate between locations and sets yeah. in, in a Bond film. My favourite moment, my favourite location would have to be the gypsy uh, the gypsy ooh, camp the gypsy yeah. camp whether that was a set or a, a no no I that think was that, location it felt like a location yeah, yeah. that was stunning Isn't that was probably my, my number one that's great atmosphere as soon yeah. as we pulled up to that you mentioned you said oh remind me about yeah, this yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, I just love podcast. the way they introduced it it was so shabby and it, they just nailed it mm. they, they somehow made gypsy chic work <laughs> For yeah. James Bond. For James Bond. Yeah. As a kind of foreign, exciting, exotic location. It's still... Mm. They, they made it appear lower class and grungy, but still elegant. Yeah, you're still like, oh, no, I understand I would go to there. Yeah. 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 Rather than like, oh, Bond's in the slums. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're there for so long. That whole environment changes. It goes from this, you know, feast mm. into a cat fight. And then into a massive gunfight. Gunfight. Yeah. Things blowing up and people getting shot and shooting from the hip. Oh Oh, god, he looks good when he shoots from the hip. Mm. My god, he's the only Bond actor that can pull that off. How low can you go? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, get off the ground. That's just not effective. I'm sure. (laughs) Jake. Yeah. Favorite location for you? Well. As stated very early uh, in this little section, Brandon, I said the the catacombs, the well, reservoir. Well, I said the catacombs, actually. Well, I said that... You boys need to sort this out. This no, no, no. No, Jake needs to sort it out himself. And He's he already needs, asked me the question. He needs to get an honest opinion because I said catacombs. Fact check, Jake. Oh, you didn't say it was your I'm favorite. calling for a fact check. I said the catacombs yes. is my favorite. Then I'll I don't think you said it was your favorite. I did. I led into it. You, I think you're more like the way he was down in the catacombs. You didn't really put uh, a kind of defining. Jake Spear, I want to hear this in the in the fact check. <sighs> Otherwise, right. I quit the podcast. Oh, jeez, go on, let's lay down. If this is not in the next fact check, <laughs> you want to... I quit the episode after. You want air. him to check? Are the cat? Sorry. Before yeah. we indulge this... Yes, madness. Catacombs Mad- are my favourite location. <laughs> Before yes, we indulge this are. mad tangent, yeah. are they actually your favourite location? Or are you just saying that to spite Jake? They're my favourite location. Really think about it. Really think about it. What would you say is your favourite location, Brady? You go first, then we'll let Jake have his moment. Cat- catacombs. Catacombs and maybe the Orient Express. <laughs> okay. Right. But the Orient <laughs> Express is constantly moving, so... Catacombs. He's oh, going with the catacombs. Sure. Do you want to change? And I think yours? I said that earlier. So fact check me, <laughs> Bh. <laughs> he's very hostile. He's today. very hostile. He's getting hostile increasingly hostile. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you should be. I'm not. You should be. <laughs> We're guests in your home. We. Are, you are guests in my home, so is, remember your manners. Oh, Wipe your feet at the door. Okay. This episode <laughs> is going to ruin because. <laughs> 
Look, I'm going to say the catacombs are my favourite too. All that right. first reservoir that he Boring. goes down into. With, in the boat. In the boat. Yeah, The yeah. first time I saw that, I was like, yes, we're on. Very, I, reminded me of uh, The Spy Who Loved Me quite a bit. Kind of a call forward. Yes, absolutely. Call forward, call forward yes, to the Egyptian the future ruins. That they were going to, yeah, to the Egyptian absolutely, ruins. Absolutely, mm. well spotted. Mm. I think Turkey, Istanbul looked spectacular. In this. Yes. The, the, the mosque, and they go in, mm. and she drops off the... The blueprint plans, and he gets. You right? You doing I'm, okay? I'm fine. <laughs> Where she drops off the plans, and then Red Grant's there, and they assassinate oh, that, yeah. that that other henchman that's spying on the them. Booga. Uh, the first time, I think. I think it's the first time that we see Red Grant in Istanbul, and we've got those beautiful red walls, and we're, and he's following her, and things. Just, mm. just stunning. Just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. being on that. Being on that ferry through the water, there we're commenting on the on the rear projection work. Oh, oh yes, yeah. yeah. beautiful goodness. seeing that sort of you know. Where was that? That was Venice. No, no, I think that was still that was that's still, still Istanbul. Istanbul. Wow, what a city! Yeah, yeah. 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 we got to go there. Yeah, mm. we must. We, we really when must. it all settles down. When this down, whole thing down. settles down. <laughs> when this cools out. Mm. <laughs> um, gadgets. There is really only one, and, and I think mm. it's the what? best one in the franchise. Oh yeah, yeah. I would agree. You agree? Classic gadget. What a briefcase! I want me one of those. This is <sighs> what the gadgets should be. Yeah, mm. I think I've that really crystallised for me in this moment. Yeah, I think seeing it's, it. Yeah, there's been there's been indications in other films that this is what we prefer the grounded gadget. Mm. Um, but this is yeah, this for me it's like. I think I mentioned while we're watching it that oh, this is the precursor to how they treat the gadgets in the Craig films. Yes, same sort of mentality. They go back to this, it, and it, it's not a, it's not a joke or a reprieve for the audience to have a nice time with Q. It's this is the mission you're on. This is what you'll need. Yes, and it's and it's functional and it's a spy shit. We're not. And it's go, one gadget. And it's one. Yep. It's not fifty million gadgets. It's an Just all in one. Have a feature gadget. Yeah. Yeah. If sometimes that gadget. Is a car with a great con- control panel? Leave it at that. Sure. You know, it's, yeah. That's but right. it's also, the thing I like about this attaché case is that it would be applicable to any agent in the film, in the field. And mm. is. And is applicable. When Red Grant posing as the other... As, the as other Captain content, Nash, yes. Nash, he has the, the same, same case. case. Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful. Standard yeah. issue. And again, mm. another example of this being the birth of James Bond, we get our first proper Q scene. We do. With Q and actually talking With through... Desmond get, Llewellyn. He's Doesn't there. he look dapper? Oh, he's beautiful. Mm. Lots of tobacco stains on his right hand. Yeah, though. looking at those he's fingers. A, he's a smoker. He's a smoker, for mm. sure. Yeah, yeah. But we get that first proper Q scene. Yep. You know? We and straight to the point, too. There's no introduction. No fluff. He is a man from Q Branch. Boom. Fact. Now look closely. Yeah. That's he doesn't have now pay attention, 007. No, it, not yet. That's not the yet. next one. Mm, now no, look closely. But grim. we'll be we'll, we'll say this, we kind of get a Q branch uh, at Spectre. When we first in that in the uh, pre-title on sequence, Spectre Island, their little well, training after ground the pre- after the pre-title sequence, yeah, when Rosa Clare is recruiting, yes, with Red the flamethrowers and the target practice going on and the judo chopping, crazy visuals. Oh, oh there's so I, much I, I business. Wanted, yeah, so much business, but it was knowingly busy. You know, yeah. like everything was crossing in and out of the frame and up and down and flames. It was so chaotic; it was almost a comedy. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. for those little moments, amazing mm, choreography. Mm, mm. Okay, stunts. Favorite stunt. Hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, oh. like I've got to think about this. I thought there was a jetpack in this film. No, 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 no. Ah. no. One more Connery to go. Yeah, that's Thunderball. I think so. That's Thunderball. Um, was there a huge amount of stunts? I'm going to say the helicopter work. Oh, the North by Northwest. Yeah. Rip off. Yeah. Yeah, it is a bit of a rip off. It's yeah. a big old yeah. rip. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. It's done fairly impressive. well. Yeah, it's oh, very yeah. impressive. I would say my favourite stunt in the film is the fight on the Orient Express between oh, yeah. Grant yep. and, yep. and It's Bond. It's always a, a nice thing when a fight scene is the standout stunt. I yeah. think it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. me too. Mm. Yeah, me too. I quite like that. Mm. There's something personal about it. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, I, I would agree. I think that's probably the... I mean, what else do you have that's notable? You've got the, uh, the boat chase... Yeah, there's the boat chase yeah, at the it's end. Not where really it's not really jumping all the barrels. It's good. It's, it's good, good it's but good. it's not. Nice explosions it's, yeah. and stuff. The helico- there, are, there are better boat chases. The helicopter Definitely. one, which doesn't get it for me because, and unfortunately, yeah, I don't like that they copied North by Northwest. I think it's it's a behaviour that still occurs. Today. Yes, they do like to bloody Copy. replicate what's popular. Yes, mm. they do. Yeah, um, and that is very blatant. So it was well executed, great stunt. I like when the helicopter I love the shot of him up against the rock. Oh, yeah. And then cowering cal- his... under the rock as the, the helicopter's rifle. falling. Like yeah. what they're doing is excellent. And the way the cut co- the Terence is covering it is excellent. It's just a bit derivative. It's just yeah. a bit derivative. It's inspired by something. Yeah. I would dare say better. Yes, definitely better. Yeah. Yeah, because but it's more restrained. I would say that it's the best fight scene on a train that we have in this franchise. I think the Live and Let Die one and the Spy Who Loved Me one are kind of hearkening back to this. Yes. and But this one is better. I it's agree. their daddy. This felt real. You know, even for the time period, there were moments of like, this is incredibly well performed, incredibly executed by these two fellas. Yeah. And it was great to see Connery getting amongst it. Doing it. I, th- mm. I, I think, honestly, of all the Bonds, I'll say it, of all the Bonds, I believe him the most... Uh, I believe him to be the most capable in a brawl. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Because he's such agree. a thug. Because he is. I mean, I'll be I honest. I think he's a thug, The man, the man used think? to drive trucks. The man can hold his own. I believe it. I think if there's going to be any of these fellas... He's a sailor. Who I more wouldn't... More than anything, though, than a thug, wouldn't you say? I believe his his military training. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess I'm talking more of the energy I get from Connery as a person. Right. Um, you get thug. Well, you yeah. You still get just, thug. He's an animal. He is. He's a beast. He's an intuitive... And I'm not necessarily... I'm, I know I'm saying that with a bit of, you know, mm, zest. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of warmth. But I don't necessarily mean that negatively. Mm. I just think that that's his... Connery himself as a person and an actor, I think, exudes this kind of animal instinct he does and, and with that comes a primal. kind of masculine primal physicality which is thuggishness which is for can, me can be felt that way it can yeah. be perceived as thuggishness yeah. I think he's got but it serves of... him well in this I think because him as a person is like yeah I can picture him going yeah let's fucking have a go you know it's like come on <laughs> uh, he's a pirate um, yeah apparently <laughs> I see him as very svelte and, uh, and feline really Yes. I think you should talk yes. to someone about that. <laughs> He's been described as a panther before. Right. And right. I think that is one of the best descriptions of him. In that he is, in the same way that when you think feline, you think of that kind of perfectly groomed, um, put together 
mm-hmm. kind of image. Yeah. If, you know, you think of a cat or a big cat, they are majestic and kind of really quite appealing and attractive, but on a dime, they could rip your throat out. Mm. On a dime, they, they, they stalk you mm. and, and mm. can tear you apart, but very cleanly, which I would agree is animalistic, mm. but I don't think I would agree is thuggish. No, I wouldn't describe a panther's energy as uh, thuggish. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't would think I, I wouldn't describe <laughs> I wouldn't describe Connery as as thuggish either because I don't think Connery Could we leave, replace... leaves much debris behind. Hmm. I think he's very clean in his kills, which is actually I think he's undeniably a brute danger. Uh, uh, yes, there's a brutality to him. Yeah, yeah. so brutish, yeah, thuggish. Maybe it's just the word that causes yeah, you pain. Yeah, maybe. I think the thuggishness lends to an, an air of careless... Criminality. ...whimsy. Right, yeah. right. That is not... Whereas I find him quite laser-focused in his brutality. Yes, yeah, yeah. so I certainly don't mean to imply that there's a sloppiness to his work right, or a right. carelessness oh, to I get his you, work. I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thug as brute. Oh, thug as brute, I guess. Yeah, the yeah. kind of... Yeah, I... <clears throat> I feel it. Mm, mm. This has All been right. an interesting discussion. It has. Mm. All we know is that panthers uh, are sexy. Are sexy. <laughs> We're going to take anything away. I said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, vehicles in this film, really none. Oh, not really any iconic. There's like I, the Rolls it, Royce and that, yeah. There's that a Karim couple Bay of has. Citroens that are nice. Yeah. Citroens, really? Not. Yeah. What are the cars oh, that are following? Got a good uh, eye. The cars that are following. Yeah, I know you're picking up on yeah, those yeah. two V's in the front grille there. That's a Citroen. Yeah. Is that a Citroen? Yeah. The one that's sure. being tailed. The, wow. the car that Bond is in that is being tailed by this uh, hypothetical Citroen. I'm pretty. I'm stuck. Well, is a Rolls. Is a Rolls. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There really isn't a standout vehicle though in this. No. Is there? Not really. Depends how you feel about Citroens. I thought they were pretty gorgeous. You liked them. Yeah, yeah. but uh, they're not a Bond vehicle. No, no, no. It's well, they're not in a like Bond his, film, so technically they are, they are. But they're not his personal ride. No. no. He's really... He's a bit of a passenger in this film. Yeah, I was just yes, going to say he that. Is. He doesn't actually get a vehicle himself. Hmm. Apart from the uh, the speedboat at the end. Yeah, and where did he pull that from? Did he, is that well, a... they rock up to the edge of oh, the lake. Oh, uh, the truck. The, the truck. flower truck. The flower truck. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, you like that as a Bond vehicle? That's yeah. your vehicle. <laughs> That's my favourite. All right. Flower truck. Flower there truck. There you are, ladies and gentlemen. Do I mean, they have that in the series? In the car series? The they flower do. Truck. They do have the flower truck. Do they really? Oh, in, my in, in the there you go. It's official. Well, there isn't a single vehicle which Bond is, is in that isn't, that isn't in, the series. in that series right. of dioramas in the Bond car Amazing. magazine. I mean, look, if we're going to talk about vehicles, yeah. it's got to be the Orient Express. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Damn classy yeah that dining car Bubba mm. Bowie Bubba Bowie and there was there there were multiple murders on the Orient Express oh very good mm. you yes quite the obvious choice is it yeah because of oh yes the yeah. murder, murder on the Orient Express yes yeah, of yeah. course well yes. what did you think was clever about what oh, I said I just thought the fact that you said that there were multiple murders was an interesting observation but the fact that it's tied into a, a, a best-selling novel. Yeah. Mm. That's kind of where I was going. Right. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like being smart. I've moved on. <laughs> right. 
Your favourite set? Oh, see now, this is difficult. It's Brandon. a bit of a yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm going to say my favourite set because I know that the Orient Express is a set and all that kind of blah blah blah. Yes. My favourite set is the chess scene Ooh, at the very top with Constance. Yes. Yeah. Well, I forgot done. about it. And well this done. is what I mean. Not only is the the uh, the locale. Oh yeah, yes. very Bondian. Yes, but the interiors oh, are so. Yeah. I mean, the one thing we're maybe missing is a lair. Would you say? Yeah, I don't mind it because we're not necessarily missing is in longing for it because we got Blofeld's boat. Mm, Does it have that traditional kind of Ken Adams lair. Bond lair though, which we no. did get a glimpse of? Not necessarily Ken's work, perhaps, but a lair in Doctor No. The clo- mm. yeah, and the closest we probably is Ken it is Ken's work yeah, in Doctor No. Ken there Adams, you go. Yeah. It's the, the closest we probably get to lair activity or lair staging is the gypsy, um, oh, the gypsy camp. camp that I mentioned earlier, the, yes. and the kavafel, the gunfight at the end. That's kind of lair activity. Yeah, that's yeah, what we typically kind of, get in the lair. Yeah, you yeah. think of all of those ninjas ziplining exactly. down yeah, into yeah. Blofeld's kind of, you know, exactly mm. place like that. So, which I actually am kind of I find refreshing. Yeah, and I think my favorite Bond films maybe don't actually have that layer. Yeah, explicit layer feel. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I think if we were to walk into a Ken Adams uh, traditional layer in From Russia with Love, I think it'd feel a little bit out of place. There's something about this film mm. that's a little depends more rounded or something. I don't know that we can't kind of walk into a. But really what if big the layer is like a big old church? You know what I mean? It's just. Yeah, the con- maybe they hadn't arrived there yet, though. That the, yeah, the construct. I think mm. that's right because yeah. you've got the catacombs and you've yeah, got yeah. the fact that everything is kind of underground and grimy yeah, with yeah. rats and mm. gypsies. Like there's this kind of element of you make do with what there is. Yeah, yeah. Mm. This. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But my favourite set is definitely that chess scene when we first meet Cronston. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. And that's a bit of a red herring for me, too, because I thought, wow, look at this guy. He's going to be a great Bond villain. Mm. Yeah. I thought he was going to be the head honcho. Yeah. And that he's kind of like this, you know, um, who, who's the teardrop guy? Uh, Le Chief. Le Chief, yeah. yeah. I thought he was going to be a kind of Le Chief kind of character. Yeah. Um, mm. But, yeah, stunning set. I did notice that beautiful chandelier, too, oh. hanging over. Ornate kind of... Oh. Stromberg would have hated it. Far too decadent. <laughs> well, would he though? Because it's bloody base. <laughs> he would have walked in there going, this is, this is more like it. <laughs> um, let's talk about our villains because we're on the, on the, on the page here. Mm. Yes. Kronstein. He is technically one of our villains. Where does he, where does he what sit for you? What, he, do you think, what do you think about him? Look, my, one of my preconceived notions about the noir... Uh, element to this film, mm-hmm. which we haven't really touched on yet, but we'll no, get to. No, no, we haven't. But um, touch on it now, I feel like. Well, be gentle. It it didn't it didn't hit the heights of noir I was hoping, but yes. I'm glad that it didn't because right. it, by doing so, it stayed truer to, to bond. bond. Yeah, yeah. But the noir elements that were infused were really an infusion, which I thought was mm. quite ahead of its time. It's a good flavor. Uh, good flavor, but just on Cromstein. He, to me, was the most alike to a film noir villain. Oh, really? Yeah. I could why, really why pic- picture him in a Maltese style. Just the sort of energy, the sort of intelligence, the sort of calm, 
Very severe. Severe. Yeah. yeah. In the casting. Like, you look at that guy's face and you go, what an unusual looking kind of uneasy face. Totally. I can see him as... perfect for shadows. Exactly. The the third man, Maltese Falcon, he's in those movies. A guy like that is in all of them, you know? True. Yeah, I thought he was really cool. I've got to say, Red Grant is the real villain of this movie. Yes, I agree with you on that. Mm. But he is also a henchman. Mm. Yes, yes. Um, he, yeah, he, he for me just exudes the the weight and mystery and kind of terror of a villain. You know, when you see him following, pacing after train. Bond, yeah, on the oh, train while my. Bond's on the platform, you're like, oh my god, when what is going to happen? In time with the score, the, oh, do, it's do. beautiful. The the suspense, mm. um, clearly drawing on our friend Hitch. For, for you know, building all of that beautiful tension. Chris Virgins. No, uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Okay, so when you say Hitch, you need to be more clear. All right. right. Could be the Will Smith movie. Yeah, I could. Okay. It could mean anything. All right. All right. Noted. Uh, yeah. So villains. Look, villains. I, I think we're going to touch <laughs> on a pretty, pretty big point here, and I'll stand by it. Okay. I think the best kind of Blofeld is the unseen Blofeld. Oh, yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. This is my favorite Blofeld. It's yeah. my favourite Blofeld too. And, watching this, I understood why I think that the Telly Savalas Blofeld is my favourite Blofeld that we see. Oh. Here we go again. Because there is a... They have a very similar vocal quality. I'll agree with you there. I must say. And there is a brutal intelligence. When I hear the Blofeld in this movie speak... I understand his uh, impressive intelligence, but I also hear a man who has taken a life, Mm. which I don't get when I listen to Donald Pleasance, and I don't get when I listen to Charles Gray. Mm. The only other Blofeld that I would get that from in the original saga Mm. is Telly Savala. Ski boy. Well... Capable boy, if I may say. Look, but I'll agree with you. We said it when we were watching this. That unseen Blofeld is the perfect Blofeld Mm. because you fill in the blank. Yeah. And that is terrifying. You put your own nightmare in the number one spot. Because that's him. That's what he is, right? Blofeld should be a nightmare creature. Whatever yes. that is for the audience, it's yeah. like you've got to, you've got to leave that up to them yeah. to decide. And I think as a grand puppeteer in this head of this shadow organization of Spectre, mm-hmm. I think there's far more power given to him when we do not see him. Mm-hmm. Is it's he's like this in Thunderball as well, isn't he? Unseen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Are they the only two? Yeah, they're the only two. Mm. Interesting. Um, which is strange. It's strange because I feel like the lead up to him, the build up to him, is is longer than just two films. But it's not. It's two films, and then you only live twice, and then the three films you only live twice. Honor, Majesties, and Diamonds are all Blofeld films. Yeah. But who played uh, him in You Only Live Twice? 
Donald Pleasance. Pleasance. Oh, that was Donald Pleasance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Mm. So, fun fact about the actor who plays Blofeld in this film. Well, we don't know because in the credits he's a question mark. It is a question mark in the credits. But the physical body of him is the same actor who played Professor Dent in Doctor No. No way! In both this and Thunderball, it is the actor who played Professor Dent. The voice, though, is by a different actor. Oh, my goodness. And for some reason, I keep thinking it's Bill Pullman. I know it's not, Bill but it's Pullman. a, it's a, it's a, it's a name that. close to Bill Pullman. <laughs> right, right. Jake, fact check it for next episode. <laughs> See you then, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but the, the, the body is that of the actor who played uh, Professor Dent. No way. Right. Yeah. Why do they make it so hard for themselves? I don't you know. know. Getting someone to do the body, getting another person to do the voice. Well, I know because like, all the yeah. women are bloody dubbed in these first like four yeah, or five films. Really? Mm. I don't know. And a lot of the men are dubbed in these first five yeah. films. Is the technology well. just not there? To Audio kind of recording get things one hundred percent on location or in studio. I mean, in studio would have been easier. Yeah. Although in studio, there's a great echo, and so they didn't have kind of post-producing. Yeah, capabilities yeah, to, to remove or mixing and stuff mix like, it properly yeah. you know get it all even again so yeah our final villain is one Rosa Kleb mm. what do we think hats off to you Kleb yeah hats, hats off. off Kleb I'm sorry that my impression of you will forever be coloured by Austin Powers I know, right? But She's I'm number bloody yeah. number three yeah. in Austin Powers, yes. Austin Powers, which I think she is in She's this as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, why did that have to exist? Because I can only kind of laugh at you when yeah. I really want to believe Who you. I always thought was Frances McDormand. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah, always yeah. thought there was Frances McDormand in the Austin Powers films, but mm. it's not. No, no, she is very much uh, yeah. coloured by that. You have seen the parody first, first, yeah, before you've seen the original reference. Yeah. But the parody scares me. You know, yes, the scary, yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. scary, and that's release the, the globe. <laughs> yeah, her sadistic, so laughing, real, and like, yeah. Uh, no, I thought she was wonderful in this. She's brilliant. Yeah, completely deranged. Yeah, very much so. That that energy towards the end when she is trying to sneak that lector out of the room, <sighs> and then she starts kicking wildly oh, with the poison with the poisoned uh, shoe. Yeah. Far out, that is intimidating. Mm. It's terrifying. Equally terrifying is when she's briefing uh, Daniela Bianchi's Tatiana Romanova. Oh, yeah. And she's kind of very creepily running her hand along her shoulder and collarbone. Very seductive. I think that's meant to allude to the fact that she is um, she's a lesbian. So there's kind of a lascivious nature there to it. Yeah, yeah. But even without that, that is just. She's terrified. She's mm. very commanding. She does a great job of switching between high and low status because equally thrilling is her scene opposite, opposite Blofeld. Yes, when she's um, sweating the bricks. The sweat coming down there and thinking that this is going to be it. Yeah. She's like, no, no, no. no. Once, she, once she survives, it's like, no, there won't be any, there won't be any more delay. Yeah. So I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Lotta Lenya. Yeah. She's iconic. Mm. She's iconic. Mm. Um, it's funny because I said in The World Is Not Enough that Electra is our first female villain. Mm-hmm. I think I'm wrong. I think Rosa Klebb is our first female villain. Well, well I would say she's Klebb definitely is a the head. Klebb's a henchman. Do you think henchman to Blofeld? 
Yes. Yeah, Which I means, do. so that puts so her on the same Grant. level as Red Grant? Technically. Right, Technically. so everyone in this film is a henchman to... Blofeld. It would have to be. Right. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that, actually. Mm. But in terms of... There's know, a hierarchy there, but yeah, they are yeah. still henchmen. They are yeah. still henchmen. Whereas mm. with Elektra, she is at the top. So mm. you would say the villain of this piece is Blofeld? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think the question for your villain is, uh, does he have henchmen? If he does have henchmen, he's a villain. Right. If yeah. he answers to no one... If he answers to no one... Then he's the villain. He's or the she villain. is or the she. villain. That's yes. right. Yeah. That's right. Okay. All right. I'll That's pay good, that. Well done, actually. Yeah, That's I like a good that. definition. Um, what's your definition when it comes to Bond women? Um, they have to be beautiful. <laughs> okay, Jake. Gee whiz, you're on record here. And you know what? They are. In this, I yep. thought she was fabulous. Daniela Bianchi yep. is one of my all time Bond women she's one of mine Romanova Mm. not only is she beautiful like she's a great actress stunningly stunningly beautiful but I can't think of another Bond woman in the franchise that has this kind of interesting character arc yeah this is unlike anything else it's really kind of it's it's what about it's, it's played off by by Spectre? Yeah. She is a loyal Soviet agent. Mm. Yeah. Played off by Spectre, thinking she is serving the Russian government. She is thinking that she's playing off the British, mm. who were the enemy at the time. She stays constantly in character, but then ultimately falls in love with the man that she is pretending to be in love with. Mm. I think that's brilliant. Mm. I can't think of another one. That has what about Agent, Agent X? Triple X. Triple X. No, because I think she is from the outset very um, overt that she is an, a, a, an agent. She's not playing Bond off as, oh, I love you, and oh, oh you're so lovely and mm. charming. Whereas Tatiana is... Kind of trying to dupe Bond mm. into thinking that she is in love with him, so that she can get this the Lecter kind of decoding machine out of the country. Thinks she thinks it's a um, a decoy, right? Mm. Am I wrong in that? The only mm. thing I'll say is I, I I get where you're coming from in terms of her written arc. Yes, um, and yes. nothing against her performance because I think it's great. It's I think she's pretty good in it. It's that are we given much time to see her emotional life, to really make those kind of judgment judgments that what she's going through is very complex for her. I I would say yes in terms of we're introduced to her coming out of the consulate, and she's with her friends, mm. and uh, then she's like oh I'll I'll see you later. It's all in Russian, but I'm assuming she's being like oh I'll catch up with you later. And we have that great scene with her and Rosa Klebb Mm -hmm. where she is essentially going, I would do anything for the state, for the Soviet Union. I would do anything. And Rosa Klebb is like, would you sleep with a man who you weren't in love with? She's like, well, I suppose it would depend on the man. So that Mm -hmm. gives us an insight to her wit. Mm -hmm. And then when she is pushed... By Rosa Klebb to be like, well, no smart answers. She's like, yes, of course. I would do whatever it takes. And then her interactions with Bond, we see her kind of playing that love struck, like, 
we see that on Janue when uh, they're first together and we see that she thinks that she's playing Bond off, right? Mm. And then as it goes on, we start to see her genuinely fall in love with him or at least grow a fondness towards him. Mm. Mm. That's the period of the film where I argue they... um, Mm. Yeah, they just don't really look check in with her, I guess. No, they don't period. check in. They with don't her check enough. in with in her. the yeah. in, yeah. in the way that they would with Vesper Lind in Casino Royale, yeah. where we get a, a fully fledged, fleshed out character. Yes, I'd, yeah. I'd agree with you in that way. Yeah. But there's enough in there that even after Bond slaps her, which is a horrible little moment, she is still pretending. You know, mm. she's still in deep cover. Being like, no, no, I love you, I love you, I love you. It's really, mm. it's it's quite nice for for what it is. I, I I really like her in her. She's not without her flaws. She's not, you know, the greatest Bond woman in the world. So you're saying slapping woman is okay now? It's absolutely not okay. No, absolutely not. I'm putting that on the record. Um, but uh, I think she does she does enough. Um, to endear herself to me, she's she's constantly burnt in my brain when mm. I think of yep. of the Bond women. I think I think I respect her uniqueness as a character and, and the arc. I think she's um, she's beautifully uh, painted in this film. I think she's got a, a wonderful sophistication and classiness about her that's just as I mentioned reminds me of like Audrey Hepburn. Yes, she's Rogue got Holidays. that 60s Hollywood 60, vibe, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah. yeah, She reminds me a lot of uh, Rosamund Pike as well. Yes, you said that. Yeah. yeah, There's something about her that reminds me of Rosamund Pike. Mm. But I have a feeling I'm leaning a little bit towards what Darby's saying here is that I'm not quite getting something from her, whether it's this emotional depth or a little bit more, I don't know, of her perspective or something like that. I don't know. I think the moment my pinpoint is when when she's saying, "I love you, I love you." Mm-hmm. Where are we as an audience supposed to be? Yeah, that confused me. It confused me. I got yeah. a little bit confused there. Yeah, because I felt I like she meant it, but then Brandon, you said, "Oh, she's still acting," and that's where I, I mean, kind of that. Oh, if we had taken the time to wrong. check in with her, we'd probably know that answer. Mm. Mm. But yeah. that, in for me, is the beauty of it in mm. not knowing the where ambiguity her of that. loyalties lie, because we're meant to be on Bond's side. So it's mm. that, it's that kind of thing of wait, is she or isn't she? I'm still confused personally. Mm. Mm. But having seen it so many times, my interpretation of that moment is that she is still trying to desperately keep her cover. I could be wrong. But she's maybe starting to. Well, yeah, I think maybe there are feelings there, Mm. but I think her primary thing in that moment is to try and keep her cover because Mm. the mission is of utmost importance. Mm. I could be reading into that too much, and I'll admit that. Who knows? But I think if the intention was to make the audience feel as if she is falling for Bond and that we wanted to kind of create a a similar situation to what we get in, say, The Living Daylights, yes, you know, I, I wasn't... I wasn't getting there. No, you know, is, was that their intention? I don't know. Yeah, but I feel like that that wasn't that claim wasn't made clearly enough for me to really take and run have an it. opinion. Yeah, of it. It's yeah. like, oh, is she kind of playing and, and the game, being like emotionally she... invested. Like that was your point to emotionally invest the audience for the duplicitous payoff at the end. Yeah, it's like that's where you kind of could have had that magic of like, oh my god, solidify the core and yes. believe later. 
no, she does love him because we saw on the train. Yeah. It yeah. makes sense that she would betray this I person. I think if you make this film in 2020, you get that. You do oh, that. for sure. But it is that thing of the shortcomings of, of the 60s. Is yeah, that yeah, yeah. They're just so it's not interested. They don't check in, in with female male or female character in that way no. yet. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, only yeah, really yeah. interested in what Bond is experiencing. Yeah, yeah. 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 There's no... There's no um, Deep psychology. Well, I think at happening. this, yeah, at this stage in cinema, it was there was kind of the, a bit of distance. The audience and the screen. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's just entertainment. Mm. Although I will say, brilliant to see that scene between Rosa Klebb and Tatiana Romanova, where it is a woman authority figure, yes, and a female agent, yes, kind of just interacting. Mm. In that kind of with no men present, no yeah. men present, yeah. still it's doesn't like, pass the Bechdel test. Oh, it probably Quite. doesn't pass that. No, absolutely not. But for 1963, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bloody progressive to mm. see a woman in power like that. Yeah, and to see a female agent yeah, being right. employed like that. I get that the sexual politics of it are, are complicated, but. Mm. But aside from that, it's quite nice to see that. Mm. Mm. Um, and I wish we saw more of it within the Bond franchise. Yeah. It, within any bloody movie. But um, there we are. Mm. Our MI6 regulars. We have M. Yes. We have Money Penny. And we are finally, I mean, not finally for us in terms of how we're viewing this uh, franchise in the series mm. of podcasts. But we finally, this is our first moment with Desmond Llewellyn it is as Q the band's all here band's all band here is Lois Maxwell has my heart she has my heart just, too mm. yeah and this in early 60s especially yes. and that's all I'll say oh yep. yes and that's all I'll say early <laughs> I'll go even further I think she's the best money penny and I don't think any of them hold a candle to her yeah she Sam- is money penny. Samantha Bond, we've yeah. seen all of hers. We've seen all of Carolyn Bliss's performances. Yeah. You sound They're like good. a small bone fan. I'm not a small bone fan at all. <laughs> I'm a money penny. No, in the man. sense that they should have left money penny with Lois and then gone the small bone route. Oh, oh. well, maybe. Mm. Maybe. Mm. Because Lois Maxwell owns the role of money penny. Yeah, yep. she does. Every it's penny of it. Extraordinary. Every yep. penny of it. She is the money. Mm. She sure is. She sure is. She was fabulous in this. She sure was. And uh, one so of, was Bernard. Yeah, and one of the things I remarked upon, which I really realised again about Connery with Bernard, mm. James with M, in this iteration, is there is a particular fear, which I really dig. Yes, yeah. and a respect of uh, his authority. Well, it's almost like M's the only person he's actually scared of. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 I agree. Yeah. But not piss him off again. Oh, got to go, honey. Bye. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, I really love that dynamic. <laughs> I think. I think it's there with um, Daniel and Judy. Daniel and Judy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. That might be the secret to that relationship. I think yeah. it is. I think mm. it's the secret to bond as well. Mm. Is that money pennies his playful flirt? Mm. Q, he's allowed to kind of let his frustrations out on. <laughs> Felix is his friend. Yep. And M is his boss. Yeah. They're not mates. Yeah. It's his boss. They may have a mutual admiration for each other. Like that time in Hong Kong. Oh, that, that, that's <laughs> moment that moment. The best. Where they're talking about Japan. Oh, there Japan. was this one time in Japan. That's all, Mike Penny. 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 That's all, Mike
brilliant. I think that's probably my favourite burned moment. I think he <laughs> <laughs> was yes. fantastic at that. I'm like, oh, what are you getting up to? Oh, 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 he's Mr. a dirty old sea dog. He is, is he? I love it. But let's talk about him. Desmond Llewellyn as Q. Yeah. He, he, he's Q. He's he Q. You can't go past it. Even in this early scene, you watch him and you're like, you haven't figured it out yet in terms of what the perfect Q scene is. But the pacing is there. The pacing there. and the energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. way he just kind of calmly is like, yep, this is what this does and this does and this does. And of course, naturally, this is tear gas. He, sound, blah, blah, blah. he talks like the man who designed the thing. Yes, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. It's funny, when you get an actor who originates a role, it's, and particularly in this case where he's with that role for so long, mm. you, you wonder where the actor ends and the character begins and how much Desmond as a person influences us as audiences in the world of James Bond and with Q himself. It's like, he is Q. Mm. I mean, even with... Um, you know, our, our modern cue. It's like... Ben yeah, Whishaw, yeah. yeah, sure. With Ben's work. But, I don't know, it's just... What are you saying about Ben Whishaw? Yeah, what are you saying about Ben Whishaw? Because I'm a... Big, I'm a big fan. Uh, look, big fan. I Ben's, think he's a great... I would love to see him in the role for another 50 years. Ben's so lovely. Ben mm-hmm. is lovely. But I think... Mm-hmm. I think Desmond is Q. It's like... Look, I can't disagree I can't disagree. I can't disagree with you. I think you're right. I think you're right, Jake. And uh, for once, you're not a dirty devil. Mm. Thank you. You don't know how much that means to me. Well, I don't care. It's nothing nice. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> I won't push it's it. It's not nice when you beg for our adoration. <laughs> I won't push it. I won't push it. Um, we have but really one at ally in this film. Yes. And that is Karim Bay. Very yeah. good. You said he was one of your he, Yeah, he's favorites. one of my absolute favourites, mm, yes. I, I like him a lot. I find him instantly charming. He's very charming. Um, mm, yes. Very believable that he is the head of Station T in Turkey. Very believable. Yeah. He has about 50 sons. That's hilarious. He has about 50 sons, yes. I find his chemistry with Connery is extraordinary. Yeah. And... When this they're doing is... the resting the rifle on the shoulder oh. and taking turns for oh, the that's rifle. Oh, great. I great love stuff. that sequence. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Great scene. Brilliant. Mm. Mm. I found out only a couple of years ago, um, maybe three or four years ago, that while he was filming this, uh, just before he started filming, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And the filmmakers said to him, you need to look after yourself, we'll recast. And Pedro said, I have to be in this film and I have to complete the filming of it. So knowing that, Every single scene in this film, he is aware of the fact that he will die very, very soon. He would be struggling with cancer. He was going through treatment uh, in between scenes and blah, blah, blah. He, after completing his scenes on this, was in hospital. And he took his own life Mm. What? by shooting himself with a pistol in the hospital oh my god oh, wow which is not uh, long after ve- not long after finishing mm-hmm. once he knew that he had his scenes were in the can and they weren't reshooting he took his own life um, because it was that kind of old school thing of 
better to take your own life than to succumb to an illness like oh, that. Go out my Go way. out with a bang rather than a whimper. Mm. Um, in a very similar way to um, Ernest Hemingway. Mm. Yes. Hemingway took his own life in a very similar thing. Just fascinating. But every time I watch this and watching it today, that was constantly at the forefront of my mind of, uh, this is a man who knows he's about to die. I don't get that sense at all in his performance of Carrion Bay. Mm. And mm. it adds to um, the iconic uh, nature of his performance for me because I watch him and I see a man with the zest for life. Yeah, I think as a character, you're right. All these all, you know, the women that he has in his life, his family. The... Time to go back to the salt mine. <laughs> oh, that was a great That's a line. fantastic moment. I love that line. He was absolutely fabulous. I mean, gosh almighty, I don't know what that kind of knowledge and predicament does to a person, but to then go on and and go to work like that, yeah. and go onto a film set, it'd be interesting to rewatch the film now, knowing, knowing that. that. Yeah, it, it definitely adds a layer for me. It's yeah, and layer. how much of that is projection, I don't know, but, I mean, yeah, surely that's informing his choices and the, and the yeah. way he behaved. It really is extraordinary. So he didn't get to see the film? He never got to see the film. Um, but, funnily enough, uh, his son plays the president of the fictional country in License, in to, License Kill. to Kill. That's his that son? That is his son. There you go. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, what a legacy. The one that Sanchez says, remember, you're only president for life. Mm. Yes. Brilliant. So his son got a little cameo as well. well no way. Which is a nice little nod, I think, yeah. to the, uh, oh, I have many sons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, just brilliant. I think Karen Bay is brilliant. And I think he sets up the the, the, the formula of the ally. Mm. Uh, I think he sets that template. Without him, we don't have Mathis so much in, um, in Casino Royale. Mm. I know Mathis is a big part of the novels, but in terms of the... Um, the approach to character. The, the, yeah, I think... Because we had... Um, have a very similar thing. What was his name? Yeah. From uh, Dr. Nutt. Yeah. Uh, oh, Quarrel. So we did Quarrel. have an, an ally. Right. Yeah, we've had an ally. A, an ally, but um, Quarrel is still a little bit kind of played a bit lower status. Yeah. Whereas Karim and, and Bond... He's an esteemed this, man. With he's a, an esteemed man. Yeah. And I think it's summed up best in that line of, oh, I owe a great debt to you for this. Oh, there are no debts between friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that, a great that, line. You know, I've, I've misquoted that line, but that, you know... There are no debts among friends or mm. between friends, whatever the line is. Mm. That's yeah. James loves him. He, he he really has formed a bond with him. Yeah. Mm. A what? A yeah. James bond. A James bond. <laughs> a Trey bond. <laughs> um, let's talk about the style outfit of the week. Oh gosh, he looks good in a suit. Now, yes, Brandon, he bloody uh, does. You said something, and I. Don't, oh. I've said many things. You have said many things today. Most of them. But libelous. this particular thing you said, Connery looks the business in a suit mm-hmm. far better than Pierce. Yes, yes. I think um, Dave Zaritsky from the Bond Experience, who is um, one of my favourites, uh, and all due respect here, he said that Pierce Brosnan is like a clothes hanger hmm. and that he looks good in whatever you put him in. 
I think that statement is more true of Sean Connery. The way that Connery wears each and every outfit in this film, my God, the man has the perfect body, the perfect body shape for a suit to be draped around. Mm. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. It's insane. He's very stylish. It's insane. I, th- I don't think he wears a bad suit in He's this. He's mostly in suits in this one. He really is, mm. yes. And it doesn't doesn't feel out of place mm. the first time we see him is in blue swimmers oh yeah I think my... in the little gondola gondola yes with the Sylvia Trench yes mm. nice to see her back yes my favourite outfit would be uh, just one item of clothing Ooh. oh yes the light blue towel Ah, ah, in the uh, Romanova scene. Yes, yes. James, James Bond in a light blue towel. James in a light blue towel. Does it for me. Oh, now, let me good. say this. Let me say this. You're saying... I would say the... That uh, that's my favourite outfit of the film. James Bond's favourite... Your favourite outfit in this film is James Bond in a light blue towel. Bath towel. Now, now, what is the difference uh-huh. between that outfit uh-huh. and... I know, what, I know what you're thinking. Uh-huh. In Goldfinger, sure. when he is His wearing terry the terry towelling blue onesie of a very similar colour that yeah, you which seem you to have like. a problem with. Yeah. Well, the idea of wearing the implement that is supposed to dry me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a towel. As a piece of clothing is strange. The idea of draping it around me as a towel, which I'll momentary, momentarily change out of, that's mm-hmm. fine. Right. I don't get it. I, imagine getting out of a shower. Putting on a dressing gown made of towel material. Yeah, Terry And towel. being happy with that. Yeah. I'd happily being do satisfied. it if I look like Sean Connery. Well. <laughs> All right. Point, I want to call attention to it. He's going well with I'm the rebuttal. You did. I'm glad you did because I felt strange about it, about saying it. I felt like I was being a hypocrite. A hypocrite. <laughs> and that might be the reason. <laughs> what is your favourite? My, my favourite. Um, I'm going to say this to begin with. Mm-hmm. As much as I agree with you, Brandon, I think yes. Sean Connery uh, wears the shit out of a suit. Yes. Um, there's something about 60s suits, and I'm mainly speaking about the tie, to be honest. 60s ties, perhaps, that I just don't really like. Mm. There's something about 60s suits that, I don't know, it's just not really my thing. You don't like them? Are you serious? I like the suits. I'm, I, I must admit... I think admit, the suits are- Dashing. Uh, they are dashing, and he wears them... Very close know, to modern. Lovely. But, yeah, there was a few moments there where it's the skinny 60s tie, I think, that mm. I just... Okay. On Bond, I despise. Okay. I would much prefer seeing the four-in-hand ties of that big, Roger Moore. That 70s tie. I wouldn't mind seeing that. It's not a kipper tie. Mm. Let's not get started on the kipper tie. And let's mm. say this: it was Connery that wore the kipper tie in Diamonds Are Forever, yeah, not Roger Moore. That's a dumb short tie. Yes, yes. But this at least runs it's the length not of the his six torso. Yes, that's true. That's true. But it just it creates a slim line and a. You sure uh, it's not the collar of the shirt? No, I think it is the fact that I'm. Seeing it is a very thin tie. Too much it shirt. Sixties. The balance wasn't right for me. I don't see. Think I think the balance is perfect. Mm. No, you see too much white shirt on it. The skinny little tie. Skinny ties for me. It are Beatles. You watch yourself. Skinny little ties. It's 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 you know it's Paul McCartney and it's teenager. Excuse me. It's, I wear skinny ties. Yeah, I know. I know mm. because I'm a skinny man. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it suits you very well. But on James Bond, 007, Secret Agent... You're saying I'm not like James Bond? I don't really want to... No, you're cute. I don't um, want to see a skinny tie. See, I think I'm agreeing with you in terms of I don't particularly like skinny ties. Mm. But in this, I think those skinny ties work because the cut of those suits, mm-hmm. the way that the, yeah, that mm. kind of the way that the lapels kind of come in, mm-hmm. we're not seeing too much of the shirt. See, if it was a, He's a, saying we a, are, a, so. a wider cut kind of 70s suit, that skinny tie doesn't work because it looks like it's being drowned and you see too much of the shirt and not enough of the, the pattern of the tie. But I think the way that those 60s suits with those, particularly those two button ones, I'm actually quite a fan mm. of the way that Connery is in this. I think that these are some of his best outfits. They look like Craig's outfits. Yes, but they, they drape a little better. Mm. I think that Craig is a victim of, particularly since Quantum of Solace, way too much tailoring yes. sure. on those suits. Yes, they the chronic tight. tight-fitting suits yes. of this past decade. Mm. We'll and look back which, on them uh, yeah. Keep the pants straight cut. Yes. They shouldn't turn into gym pants. The thing, the thing that drives me a bit nuts about the Shopping. tailoring in the Craig era, yes. since Quantum and particularly since Skyfall, is that they have the kind of, the what do they call it, the star suit? which is the one that they shoot the dialogue scenes around. And then when he has to do action, they give him a slightly more roomier version of the suit. Right. So that he can move and run in it. And it's like, no, no, no. When he's doing the dialogue, if you then want me to believe that he's doing the action scenes, I want to see him in the same cut. I want to see him in a cut where he looks good having a brandy opposite M but then, in an instant, could chase down a bad guy. If you're going to have me believe that he's doing these scenes that's what in a suit... James Bond would buy. That's exactly right. Yeah. Mm. And that's what I believe in From Russia With Love, mm. is that any of the suits that he's in, I believe that he could then fight Red Grant on the, on the train, mm. and I, could, I believe that he is doing all those amazing action scenes mm. on the, the boat where he shoots off the flames. Wait, wait, wait. We're just about to have a fight scene. Yeah, let me just... I'm just yeah. going to change. Let me I'm change. Just, let I'm me change. two sizes up. So then I'll be right back. Stay right there. Okay. <laughs> um, so in closing, I will say... So that's your, that's your dead outfit of the week? That's your bin it or burn it? Well... Skinny tie? Yeah, skinny tie. In particular, the black skinny so tie that he wears in M's office. Can it you was say a scrunchy in clothing? Sorry, what? Can you say in clothing instead of... In, uh, in clothing, we go. Uh, my least favourite uh, <laughs> stylish item would be the black skinny tie, that specifically that he wears in M's office at the beginning of the film. Um, Which I would say is my favourite Scrunchy outfit. little knot on it. Um, Ooh, agree to disagree. Favourite outfit. Um, look, I... I I mean, you know the odd thing about it is that it's it's the navy suit I think that he wears in M's office. Yes. I mean, yes, the, the, right. The, yeah, thinking about it. Wait, the one you just said was your least favorite. No, I said the tie. He doesn't like least. the tie. I just don't like the tie. But I think that, that you're being a bit of a that you're being a bit of a bastard here. <laughs> bit Rain Man, really? Yeah. No, come on. I look. I I think. Connery looks better in navy than he does in grey. Nope. 
No, nope, mm, I think he looks gray. equally good in both. The I Royal think he Alfred check. The yeah. Prince Alfred, Prince, uh, Prince, Wa- Prince of Wales check. Prince of Wales check. You're getting there. <laughs> get on to I'm picking it up. I'm picking it up. You're confusing me when you do that. <laughs> it's embarrassing, Darby. All right. I don't think I have a bad outfit for Bond in this. No, there's not really one that stands out to no, me. No, I'd happily wear anything. I'd happily look as good as he does in every scene of this film. Nah, I wouldn't like to look as good as him. No. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't like the attention. Wouldn't no. like the attention. It's too much. <laughs> right, it's too much, yeah. The pressure. My goodness. Imagine yeah, the pressure. You'd be batting yeah. them away. Oh. Right. Day player of the week? Uh... Do we have one? I think you said it very early on that um, he's technically not really a day player. He's not also not doing too much to be super impressive as a day but player. But nor are any of the day players. Nah, maybe we don't have a day player of the week this time. Oh, I think I think that Karimbe's son, the Karimbe's, driver, yeah, but he's, he's going to give it to. But anyone. he's in more than one scene. Clearly, more than a day. That's yeah. a lot. Jumped around a bit. Mm. We didn't really touch him with the world. That classic thing that you talk Don't about, Darth, of like yet. touching in with the world. And yeah, different yeah. Characters. Another thing: Did we have our kind of grandiose public art uh, uh, thing? You know, as a as a as a bond. Yeah, I would say the belly dancers. The belly dancers. The first belly dancer. Yeah. In the gypsy camp. Yes. Yeah. That's as cl- that's that's as close in as this world. world. There's Later. no kind of outdoor ballroom dancers or orchestra opera or something. No, but that is still, it's still like that. an art form. That's still a public display of art. I, I would not say that the the girl fight is is art. I no, think no. That's, that's, well, it depends know, on how you look at but, it. But I mean, when you but, think about but the, the belly dancer herself, that is definitely an art form. It might be the beginning it's a form of it. But you, you it's mean a form of theater, elegant European sure. violins and well, yeah. Music, it's like do we, you know, when when Bond drives oh, past in a horse drawn? No, come on. You're when being Bond, a bit white supremacist. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course I'm not. When Bond drives past in a horse drawn carriage and there's like ballroom dancers around outside. Or you know he's walking through an opera. You've got. Or... You're explaining very white traditions. No, no. When you've got the. Come on. <laughs> Dig up, boy. But when he's you know even the even the I would say even the um, pyramid the lighting display at the pyramids it's a grandiose. Public oh, that's. Would you not say that the belly dancer though is that? that because it is. You? It is a form of dance yeah I know what you mean but it's like it's a bit simple is the is the belly dancer in the man with the golden gun the grandiose public no, piece of art no but I, do, I don't think the man with the golden gun has one of those no I don't I, which adds to its tackiness I whereas I think the belly over. dancer in this is actually I remember us well at least myself remarking how the hell do they do that Yes. The way that she undulates her abdominal region. Yeah, incredible. 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 No, no, no problem with that. I think the problem I have with not calling the belly dancer the grand public display of art that mm-hmm. sometimes appears in Bond film is its lack of scale. Mm-hmm. I think right. that when you... Do you when, think the mimes in Goldeneye have any sense of scale apart from it being in an amphitheatre? Well, that's the thing. I think it is it, an amphitheater. that it is an amphitheater. That there is a sense of but scale within the space. Oh, no, <laughs> come on! Come on. <laughs> I think that's part of his problem is that gypsy. it's happening in a gypsy camp. But that's your favourite set. 
I'm not saying anything ill about it. No, well, but defend if, me. But, but, no, but he defend my honor. Jake, <laughs> Jake is searching for a moment of high art within a Bond film, as we've yeah. touched on multiple right, times. Okay. This moment of high art. Living daylight. So mime is high art. No, well, Jake's mime, mime in an arena. Mime is high in art. In an amphitheater. In an amphitheater with paid, you know, in the middle of a shabby gypsy camp, one belly dancer. I get what you mean. It's a point. I think we're splitting hairs. No. We are, but it's a we point are. of. I just want to. But raise I want it you to point. say it on the record that you're a racist. <laughs> but I'm not a racist. He's not a racist. <laughs> not a racist at all. There's no problem. He just prefers white art forms. All right. Living all right. daylights. We've got an orchestra in a beautiful theatre. Yes, yes, it's a European theatre. Yes, but it's God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's the grand scale. No, I, I, I know what, what you about. Mean. Okay, here's one. All right, it, it's funny because I, I actually genuinely think that 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 belly dancer thing is 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 actually a moment of that public art. This will determine on being there. Yeah, this will determine whether or not you're racist. Great, right? The voodoo uh, element to live and let die oh, with yes. some of the kind of tribal performances. Is that art? Is that the Bond art? Baron Samadhi, ladies and gentlemen. Well, <laughs> are you referring to... Because he's referring to the uh, tacky resort show that gets put on. But you're well, referring to the snake charmer that comes out. Yeah. Tough question. Mm-hmm. Is... See, that's quite... You know what? Let's go through it. Mm-hmm. Let's name the films that we've seen so far. Oh, I think it might be too hard. That to have had that. those art performances. Dr. No, has that had one? I can't remember. It hasn't. I don't think. I it don't has. think so. It's had Jump Up, which is the dance club at yeah, Pussfellas Bar, that. but that's, that's right. not art. No, from no. Russia with Love has the belly dancer. We're not counting that. I I'm not counting. Okay. that. Okay, Goldfinger. I don't think that has one. No, no it definitely doesn't. No. Um, you only live twice. Yes, there. The wedding. But that's not public art. No, that's private. No. Uh, On a Majesty's Secret Service. What did you say then, Dubs? Ritual. More ritual, more ceremony. Okay. Mm. Um, uh, on a Majesty's Secret Service. I mean, apart from, do you know how Christmas trees are grown <laughs> at the fucking <laughs> or the ice rally? <laughs> oh God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's not art. No, no. Diamonds are forever. It's Vegas, so no. Um, live and let die. Are we counting the Baron's? Well, I mean, what about the uh, the funeral in the street? It's ritual. Well, that's ritual. The, see, yeah, the the mm. yeah the funeral in the street. That's kind of a public display of. That's more ritual. But that's ceremony. not art, is yeah, it? Yeah, no, no, it's more ritual. Okay, man with a golden gun. No, no not really. No. Uh, Spy who loved me. We have the pyramids. That's our first ex- yeah. e- example of it. Yeah. So that's what. Nine films in, that this something becomes a like bit that. of a thing. Yeah, about nine, ten films in. Uh, for, you know, we haven't seen that. Octopussy, the circus. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> Not really. Comes Reluctant to, mind, to come to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Living Daylights has the opera. Uh, the the um, yeah the orchestra. Opera, the orchestra. Yes. Uh, yeah. License to Kill. License to Kill did have something, didn't it? Did it? Yeah, I feel like it did. Mm, I can't remember. Oh, maybe it doesn't. Goldeneye has the mimes. Yeah. Tomorrow Never Dies. What is the one where where Bond arrives in a... He's in a horse-drawn carriage. It's a Roger. Through... It is a Roger, it's, yeah. It's Russia. 
Isn't the Kremlin in the background? Or... No, not the Kremlin. What's the... What are those colourful castles? You're thinking of For Your Eyes Only. And there's... There's like ballroom... There's... There's outdoor ballroom partner dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's for your eyes in only. In Vienna. Where do we go to Vienna? Not Vienna. That's either Moonraker or for your eyes only. No, it's something I'm, I'm no, relating to it, it as well. Maybe there's two. Maybe, Maybe it's I'm the thinking of Living Daylights. I think you're thinking of the Living Daylights. The Living Daylights. I think the Living in Daylights is the first time we picked up on this conceit. On this thing. Yeah. 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 Mm. And then we saw it in Goldeneye. Mm. Yeah. We saw it in The World Is Not Enough with... Um, Wait, did we? The world is not enough. Is there an art scene in that? Um, not really coming to mind. No. There's not too many of them, really. Now okay, so now that we've put them all together, does the belly dancer not fit into those? No, I don't think so. Okay, why? Uh, I think it's got to do with scale. Right. I think that... And location. Environment. And the environment. You know, I think, yes... Do I class mime as it's it's a personal party rather than if it was a belly dancer or a group of on a stage? It's not open to the public. Yeah, big public art, and because it's something that's really on the periphery of a Bond film, it's like Mm. he just goes past it or walks through it or you know things like that. I get you. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. You were grilled. You held up well under the pressure. Well, but that's how we examine our beliefs. You have (laughs) to put them underneath the Bunsen burner. Um, all right, Darby. My, my this goodness. is uh, mainly for you. But oh, Jake, if you want to jump in here, I wouldn't dream. We're going to talk about Terence Young. This is oh, the yeah. second Terence Young we've seen, and it's the second Terence Young that he made in the Bond franchise. What do you think, technically, as a director? Look, director a director. My big thing. Not that I'm much of a director yet. Uh, my big thing was. This in the preconceived notions, this mm-hmm. idea of film noir, as we've discussed, mm-hmm. touched on. I think the biggest thing for me that differentiates this film from other James Bond films is its use of high key lighting, which we oh, did right. mention as being a noir element. Mm. Ted uh, Moore as cinematographer. Yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, every there's usually only one source of light on the uh, on the characters in most environments, unless they're in more of a room or hotel room or whatever. But, going through the catacombs there's one strong light that's shining in their faces or slightly angled over to the right you know it's always front lit side lit which gives it this feeling of noir you know that it kind of seeps through I think we all kind of feel it but um, yeah look Terence Young phenomenal I yeah. think he's absolutely... I can't wait to watch Thunderball because he only did the three, didn't he? He only did the three. Bold choices too. Remember when the uh, the big fire happens and the and the fire brigade arrive with the hose and you get that yeah. low angle, seeing Some the hose weird, run out. Oh, he's got an eye on him. He, yeah. he'll, he'll do something that, yeah, if the he thinks it's going to work, the rat's running, his attention to detail is incredible. I, I had a little flick through the other stuff he's done and it seems like... Bond is kind of only big notable all-timers. He uh, notably he did direct another film called No Time to Die. Oh, produced by Albert R. Broccoli. Really? Mhm. What? Before the Bond films. No way. Oh my god. There is serious? an Albert R. Broccoli produced film directed by Terence Young called No Time to Die. You're oh kidding. My god. I've never seen it, but I feel like we should oh, watch it. Oh, that's clearly an unofficial Bond. <laughs> apart of, apart from I think it's a war film. That beautiful lighting, I think the editing in this was 
sensational as well. Peter yes. Hunt, what a guy. Yeah. Some of his little choices, the way that he transitions between scenes, you know, really the fighting fish thing. sequence. The fighting fish oh, sequence. Exactly. exactly. Really, really incredible stuff. Yeah, Peter Hunt really is one of the uh, the unsung heroes oh, of yeah. this series. But I think Terence Young is as well. Because yeah. I think he lends a stylishness and a class. He's incredibly stylish. To there is films. You, you, as we say, that sophistication this film has, mm. it, it, a lot of it comes from him. A lot of it comes from his patience. You can tell that he knows exactly what he wants. Oh, yes. You know, and he's not going to go until he gets it. That, mm. that, that's in the film. He's, everything is thought of. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, 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 it's brilliant. I mean,. There is something about the way that Terence Young can get a fantastic performance out of Sean Connery. Oh as yeah, well. yeah, mm. yeah. Very true. It's, well, um, yeah. I'd Stand love up. to hear what that relationship was like. Mm. Yeah. Well, apparently Terence Young was kind of everyone said this about him. They were like, he was Bond. I've heard this. Yeah. Right. He dressed like Bond. He knew everything about food. He knew everything about fine liquor. Mm. He knew everything about women. Mm. He was witty. He was charming. We were Renaissance. He knew everything man. about tailoring. He was a Renaissance man. Yeah. Mm. He served in the war himself. Like this was a man who knew what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he 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 was famous for for telling Sean Connery to sleep in your suit before right. Doctor No. He was like sleep in the suit because then. You, if you can fall asleep in it, then you're truly comfortable in it, <laughs> and you'll be able to own it when you wear it. Wow, that's brilliant. There's an, also an extraordinary story about Terence Young on this film. That uh, scene where they're blowing up the um, the fuel tanks, the boat chase yes. at the end. Terence Young was in one of the helicopters that was filming that sequence. The helicopter crashed <gasps> while they were filming. In the lake what? that oh my they God. were filming in, and he survived. Wow, <gasps> isn't that extraordinary? He survived a helicopter crash. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, I'm fairly sure that's true. Please fact check that for me. <laughs> but I remember that from when I was a kid. Uh, was uh, it's something I've always kind of held in the back of my head. So God. maybe it's maybe it's not true, but in the back of my head. <laughs> Terrence wow. survived. Terrence Young survived a helicopter crash filming that scene. I'm pretty damn sure that's true. Ninety percent of me is backing myself on that. <laughs> um, gentlemen, the score it is um, it is John Barry. Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic. I love the 007 theme. I love the James Bond theme. I think the way that Matt Munro's From Russia With Love is incorporated is brilliant. Yep. Where do you stand on From Russia With Love? I'll say it again. This is the film where James Bond is born. Yeah. The last film we had, we didn't really have a score. Outside of the James Bond theme, it wasn't too much of a score. This time round, we you did James Bond. You don't think the way The Man with the Golden Gun is integrated is quite... No, no, See, no. no, I mean Dr. No. Oh, oh I mean, Dr. No. Sorry, the, sorry, the sorry. Film I was thinking this about in our... chronological order, I suppose. I got you, yes. We didn't really have much of a score. It was the James Bond theme. This time, we've got the James Bond theme. It's a little more refined in how it's being utilized mm-hmm. there's a bit more sophistication around and complexity around when and, and and why and how it's used we get the 007 theme oh yes and as you said before the integration of the theme song itself and the very fact that we have a theme song i think the music itself is evolving mm. and, yeah you know this is the this is we're starting to get the sound of james bond in this film yeah i loved it 
I loved it too. The only thing I lament is that I never truly heard the theme song. Oh, really? Mm. Until the end credits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they hadn't set upon that thing of let's make the theme song the totally. title yes. totally song. true, true. Yeah. it's just um, a shame when you say you know Bond is born if they just thought to do that as well that as well yeah, then, then it would be solidified yeah absolutely well gentlemen Mr Darby Duck I'm going to start with you oh, we are wow. at the point where we need to rate the film this is a tough one mm. okay no it's not a tough one you know this is an incredible film yes um, I see and identify completely with you saying that, you know, outside of Bond, this would be an all-time classic film that we yeah, still watch film. today. Yeah, I love this movie. I really adore it. Um, I love everything about it, save for, for a few contextual niggles yeah. and a few technical niggles. Yeah. Um, I love the way it's handled. I love the way it moves. I love its quietness. I love its, yeah. you know, it's 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 very evenly paced. And as as I think we said, the IV drip. I think that's a really good <laughs> yeah, way of looking oh, at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think you bond, said that. Yeah, yeah. yeah drip fed this this bond essence. And I think without this movie, we don't have the franchise. Yeah, mm. um, the way that we see it today. It is reaching for a 10 mm-hmm. from a 9.5. I'm wondering where to place it. Well, if you play by my rules... If I play doesn't... by your rules, I think it, it's a 9, but mm. I'm playing by my rules. Yeah. I'm giving this mother flipper a shaken 10. Shaken oh. 10? Yeah. Wow. There's something... There's something it's at 99.5%. Yeah. Yeah. It's yep. not at 9.5. Yep. It's a 99.5. Yep. Yep. And it, it's... Just that it's there's something not quite there for me. I think it's purely the contextual but it's element to, to bump it up. But it's a ten. I yeah. love this. I love this. This is one of my favourite James Bond films. Wow, Mr. Spear. Wow. Mm-hmm. Look, I've said it before. I'll say it again. This is the film where James Bond is born. Mm-hmm. Man, it was nice. Admittedly, I'm a '90s sugar kid. I love my ADHD bond. I love to get all noisy and excited and jump up and down. Mm -hmm. But this thing is oozing bond. Connery is absolutely fantastic. The whole team's there. Mm -hmm. Finally, the whole team is there together. It is the travel log bond. Mm. It's stunning. It's beautiful. Terence nurtures everyone, including us, the whole way. Absolutely. It's beautiful. I feel nurtured. You do, don't mm, you? Mm. And it's got all of those tropes. So even though it's not the action-packed Bond, I was certainly thrilled. Mm. Great villain, my god, great henchman. And you swept away too. I was. It was. It was beautiful. Mm. I got that sense of of classic, you know, cinema magic. Mm. And there, you know, that was all there. Mm. The fact that, you know, this for me is where James Bond begins. That alone means that this film is a shaken ten. Wow, you've both given it a shaken ten. Yeah, from Russia with love, baby. Shaken ten, high five. Yes, you you have both been way more generous than me. I really feel like I don't deserve the title of the Bond fan (laughs) within the three of us because you've never 
Um, you've never given a higher score than me. No, always given. You've higher always score. given higher. Yeah. yeah, never given higher, but always. Always. <laughs> Uh, no, what did I say? You've never given higher than me. I meant you always have given higher than me. All right, I'm drunk. Fine. Look, gentlemen, I said from the outset, this is one of my all-time favourites. Yeah. Um, I think Terence Young is a brilliant Bond director. I love his Bond um, films. This, I think, is his best one. Connery is at his best here. I think da- Daniela Bianchi as Tatiana Romanova is wonderful in this film I think Robert Shaw as Red Grant is damn near unbeatable yeah Lottie Lenya we didn't talk about him enough Lottie yeah. Lenya as no we didn't but mm. god damn it brilliant yeah, yeah. yeah. Lottie Lenya as Rosa Klebb exceptional mm-hmm. Kronstein fantastic Blofeld it's the best Blofeld yet yeah the plot extraordinary Cinematography, extraordinary. The music, extraordinary. I don't have a damn thing to fault about this. Gentlemen, it has taken 15 films, but finally, with From Russia With Love, I give you my first shaken 10. Yeah! Oh my god, I'm oh so my god, happy! Oh my god, I'm happy! Oh it has taken 15 films for me to give. Oh. A shaken ten. I don't have a damn bad word to say oh about this. God. I'd watch this any day of the week. Uh, this, I could cry. I could cry. I am this, crying. This is up there. This is when you say Bond film. I think this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is it. It's the formula perfected. I it's... do not understand people who think Golden Goldfinger is better than this. No uh, way. Not don't in understand years. it at all. Ten ten ten. This ten, is not only. Ten. Trey Bond sh- uh, shake and approve that this is a perfect this is score a, it's a perfect, perfect score. score it's the first one we've given wow. 15 films in wow. congratulations gentlemen well done what a, what a well gentlemen start. I think that's time for us to pull out I think our last is it three left? no the yeah. second last hat draw oh. that we will do in this series not the, the honour falls one. to you Mr. Deck to draw one out oh Oh, oh, there's not Mr. Too many left. There's only wow. four left. Gosh, we've come a long way. <clears throat> we sure have. I'm putting my hand in. I'll pull one out here. There's only one left in the hat after this. So, in the order in which we drew, Mr. Deck. Goodness. I have aptly drawn a film I'm very much looking forward to seeing. Oh, yes. 19 Diggity Fives. <laughs> Thunderball. Thunderball. Oh, you're very close with Diggity 5. It's 65. Oh. <laughs> Should have said 60 Diggity. Mr. Spear. Fabulous, fabulous. I'd be very keen to see that. I've been very excited to see Thunderball. Pick your eyes. This is a film that I have drawn at least once before. Perhaps even last episode. Oh. Gentlemen, this is for your eyes only. Oh, it was last episode. Ooh, a personal mm. favourite. Mm. Well, gentlemen, the it film that I have drawn be... is... Uh... Moonraker. It's Moonraker. It's Moonraker. You think it's Moonraker? No, no, I think it's a view to a kill. You think it's a view to you a kill? You drew last week. Well, I'll tell you, it's a Roger Moore. It's a Maury. It's a Roger. <laughs> friend of the podcast, Roger Moore. <laughs> um, this one, I would just ask of you... To reach for the stars. Oh, <laughs> we go to space. Go to space. Moonraker, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Mr. Deck, oh. you have to pick a number. 
Thunderball will be number five. Number five, Mr. Spear? I like number one. I'll take number three. Thunderball will be also number six. And number four for me. All right, I'll be two and three. Five and six. One and four. All right, rolling the die. Ooh, oh, it's landed it's on its dice. angle. Oh, needs to be re-rolled. Oh my god, no, we have to re-roll it. Are you dice. serious? It was looking like a three. It was looking like a three. Here we are. Three and two is me, baby. Okay. On Moonraker. Right. We're going to space. Rolling again. Oh, it's, it's a three! It's three. Oh, it's to be a three. We've got to go to space. Oh, well, Moonraker. ladies and gentlemen. After space. Next time, we will join you, ladies and gentlemen, for 1979's 